are back. You're listening to You Would Think, the Philadelphia Flyers podcast. I'm your host, Kyle Collington, and Fire Chuck Fletcher. I mean, I'm sorry, I'm joined today by Kevin Durso. How are you, buddy? <laughs> oh, you did really come in firing already, huh? Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm all right. I've had an interesting week like you, I'm sure. I mean, different yeah. perspectives of it, but I've had an interesting week for sure. Yeah, we were talking about it just before the show, and I'm I'm coming in hot and heavy from the fan side of things. Kevin, we'll talk about it, but he's got some things to say on the uh, the media inside knowledge type thing side of things later. Um, aren't, aren't you glad we strayed from the typical summer schedule for this though? Yeah, this is definitely uh, what we call an emergency episode. You know, even even if we didn't have an episode planned, I think we would have broken glass in case of an emergency <laughs> and gotten a show together tonight. Right, like we. Well, we planned for something following free agency because we felt like it was going to be something big. And, and I, it, it, boy, it, it sure wasn't, but it was. It, no, it was. That's the thing. It was something big. It just wasn't the something yeah. big everybody thought it was going to be. I'm going to start with a quote. Okay. Okay. Yep. And this quote is from friend of the show, somebody we've mentioned a number of times, Anthony Sanfilippo from Crossing Broad. This is from an article that he came uh, he put out that I believe came out Thursday morning. And the big the big quote, the big kind of headliner quote here. The time has come to end the embarrassment that is Flyers management. Yeah, that that was the headline, right? Yeah. Okay. By the way, this okay, so it was Thursday morning afternoon-ish that it came out because and I know this because of the fact that Thursday was kind of the day after, like, you, you had a night to reflect on everything. You had a night to reflect on. It, it took you a whole night to reflect on all the moves they made, huh? No, 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 Like, hear me out. It was the. Whole night of reflection on Justin Braun and buying out Oscar well, no, Lindblom. It, well, here, hold on. Here's what I mean by that. Like, most people in my position, we don't write, like, we don't write that as, as the day goes on. Like, right. we're kind of sitting back watching. So, in other words, you knew the first typical of free agency around the league now I'm talking about the league collectively the first three hours of free agency is crazy yeah. there's just stuff going on all over yeah. the place you don't even have time to look away from one thing and somebody else does something that's how it works so you're doing that and then came five o'clock they had a press conference the flyers did by the way, on day one, $936 million in contracts were yeah, handed out. Yeah, I meant out. to go and find that at some point. I was Cat little... Friendly has a day-by-day breakdown. Oh, I know. I was a little preoccupied by some other things that day Yeah. Um, to go worry about how much money was spent around the league, but I knew it was a high number, I'm sure. Um, they had the press conference at 5 o'clock, and then you, know, then you spend the rest of that time kind of – Going into like once you know where they stand and what like whether to expect something else or not, you're left with putting it all together, pick putting all the pieces together and then going, all right, what's the message I want to send as a writer to the people who are going to read this, the fans, and how do I want to get that message across? Usually and I, and that's why like I sit there and I always call it a night to reflect on it because I sit there and I, I have set a few hours to reflect and then come up with the thoughts, put it all together, get it ready, and the next morning everybody gets to see it. And and usually, like if nothing else, I think the hope is that the night of reflection for everybody else aligns with your own reflection much sure. more immediately. And I remember what I wrote and then re- went and saw when Anthony put that article out, and there was a lot of similarities. Like I noticed a lot of things that were similar, and 
not for nothing, he's got like he's in the know about as good as anybody locally, and yeah. he's got a ton of respect. Absolutely. So, if I see that the things that I'm thinking align with the things that he's thinking, or some of the stories are the same, then certainly I feel good about what I put out there because of the fact that you know his word is as good as gospel. So if sure. I'm able to put out something similar and we all kind of feel the same way, then it's a, like like the last. If Aunt San Philly tweets something, you know it's true. Pretty much, but like like the last thing I want to do is see that like if I put out some article that freaks out about what happens. And, and has this, like, upset nature to it, like, you should be upset because, and he's trying to talk you off the cliff, then you feel a little like, okay, maybe I overreacted. Sure. There, he did not, like, if he's right. He was right there with you. Right. If he wrote that, then I, how does everybody else feel? He's sprinting towards the cliff, waving you on. Yeah, pretty much. And by the way, I, I have a feeling that the entire Philadelphia fan base is quite ready to dive off that cliff. Because this week was not a great week. And I do want to talk about something I mentioned before here. Sure. Uh, in the day leading up to free agency, we got news that Oscar Lindblom was on, waiver, uh, on waivers uh, for the purpose of an unconditional buyout. And they obviously right. ended up not getting waived and was bought out. Uh, he has since signed a $2.5 million uh, deal, two years with the Sharks. So good for him. Congratulations. Him is right. Uh, right. Uh, so much for the smallest contract you ever sign again. But uh, whatever. Um. But that's the thing, right? The, this move was made uh, presumably in conjunction with a JVR trade mm -hmm. to clear space for Johnny Gaudreau. And if that's what it was, it would have softened the blow. And, that, and again, I'm just speaking optically from the outside. We're watching them buy Oscar Lindblom out for very little reason, maybe no reason. Because, I mean, Johnny Gaudreau going out, JVR coming in, I, like, it's, or, I'm sorry, reverse that. J Johnny Gaudreau coming in, JVR going out. Mm -hmm. It, it kind of made sense as the bridge number from the fans' perspective. And, well, and let me tell you one thing. I'm going to kind of, on my own side, do the yeah. rundown of events and the timeline of, every, of, of everything that affected everything that happened and, and, and everything about Johnny that I found out, too, as, as this was going on. I got kind of two separate timelines here. But one thing I will tell you that I didn't include – in what I prepped for tonight was um, that I did hear something about Limblom being bought out way earlier in the offseason, and it was pulled back for a while. Like It seemed hmm. like for a little while it wasn't going to happen, that maybe given everything else that they have going on, that maybe one of the things they could actually do was keep him on the roster, put him on waivers straight up, right. knowing no one would claim him at $3 million, and pass him through the minors to get him back to the NHL roster in the event that you had to, L, you know, for LTIR purposes right. later. So for a little while it was, he's going to get bought out. Then it was, well, maybe they don't have to do that because they can save his money that way for a brief moment and then just reapply it. Right. And then it turned out to be like, and I'll, I'll get into that later. Sure. Not to be, but it turned out to be. Right. So at the end of the day, Oscar Lindblom gets bought out. This The player leaves the roster. The money comes off the cap The you know. It, it it looks like we're clearing money. Mm -hmm. And then the day comes, and the hour strikes, and no word out of Johnny Gaudreau. Now, we hear that he's not re-signing in Calgary in the days leading up. We hear that he will be testing the market. You, you know, We know he wants to move closer. Um, it very quickly narrows down to a couple of local teams. I heard that the – obviously, we all know that we assume the Flyers were in it, or a team uh, – one of the teams on Johnny's list. I'll put it like that. Um, the New Jersey Devils were a team on Johnny's list. 
the Columbus Blue Jackets. And for a brief moment, there was talk about the Islanders, but I'm not sure if an offer was ever made. Uh, Lou will deny it. And what am I going to say? So <laughs> don't don't you worry. I'll fill you like again. I'll fill you. Sure. In what I know later. And let, so let you go first. Yeah, absolutely. And it, so it narrows down to these couple of teams. And then we hear word that the Flyers are out. And not only are they out, but pretty much they're just about done for the day. There's really not a whole lot going on in Flyer land, right? We re-signed Justin Braun. Sure. So what are we doing here? Well, there's no direction. It, it, it certainly doesn't seem. Thank you. This is a fan. If you're watching on our YouTube channel, this is the best. This might be the best graphic we've ever put up. <laughs> What are the Flyers doing? Because, and I, I know we're going to get into your breakdown of what you knew when you knew it, uh, but from the outside looking in, mm-hmm. from this perspective, I look at a team that a year ago shipped out an offensively-minded defenseman and paid two picks to do it mm-hmm. to acquire a larger offensive defenseman that they paid more picks to do that. And then this summer, they reacquire a smaller defenseman again who is offensively minded. Paid him a little bit more, but whatever. I'm not going to nitpick about that. (laughs) Also, by the way, he's a raging piece of garbage. We bought out the kid who had cancer the year one of our slogans was fly or die. Uh, We signed, again, noted poor quality human being, and that is putting it a about as mildly as I can put it. Uh, number 77, who I, and as mentioned on last week's show, I am not going to speak his name on this show very often. Um, we don't get the kid who wanted to come here mm-hmm. because Chuck doesn't want to trade a first-round pick and because, by the way, we're in this garbage situation and we signed this guy for $5 million over the next two seasons. We don't have the cap space to do it, so we have to ship out JVR. And not only do we have to ship out JVR, the whole league knows how we have to ship out JVR. So Chuck Fletcher is entirely bent over a barrel, and he has to include a first-round pick in any deal for JVR. And not only a first-round pick. Now, we've talked about that 2024 first-round pick from Florida. No, 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 that pick's not good enough. We all know that's going to get traded, but not here. Teams know how desperate Chuck Fletcher is, so they want the Philadelphia Flyers 2023 first, which is very likely a top-five pick in a draft featuring Connor Bedard and Matt Vayman. What are we doing here, Kevin? Please enlighten me. Okay, so uh, where do you want me to go here with this? Do you want me to go? I wrote down. I wrote down three things that I wanted to cover tonight. Specifically. Okay. I the, the information that came out from. Okay, we just talked about Anthony Sanfilippo being like the local guy that you can yeah. take his word for gospel. It feels like right. So another guy who's, you know, who's. Anything that he has to say, we value it incredibly, is Elliot Friedman. Absolutely. So what he had to say on 32 Thoughts is something I wanted to discuss because there are elements of it that I heard the same things. And there's elements of it that I think there's a little bit not being not not that it's not being said, but I think that he's giving you information that he's being careful with his words. Well, He he has to. Of course. Absolutely. He's aligning like there's certain things he's aligning with this that I don't. Like, I'm not saying that they're not true. They're just, there's ways that he's right, but he's 
not completely telling you everything either. Sure. You know what I mean? Sure. Um, then I have my own, and you kind of already started. He, he this. writes. He writes what he can confirm. One well, or says on the podcast, oh, like right. in this. Yes. Um, then we have the timeline of events of leading up to this point, which you've already kind of started on, but I will Please gladly do. repeat. And and again, the other section is what I know about what happened with Johnny, which maybe I'll save for the next graphic that we have, which sure. says more about him. Yeah, than, we'll get into Johnny later. Right, we we got to focus on the flyers. Yep. Anything. So um, let's put this way. Let me t- let me start with this, because I'm just going to read off what I wrote down that I got out of the 32 thoughts thing that Elliot said and then go from there, because then I'll piece together my timeline and we'll kind of go piece it all together. OK. So Elliot Freeman on the 32 Thoughts podcast this week says says the following things about Johnny Gaudreau to Philadelphia, that there were people in Philadelphia. So this is I wrote down eight, eight different points. Some of them repeat kind of, but we'll get there. Number one, there were people in Philadelphia who wanted Gaudreau, liked the idea of selling tickets, merchandise, all that type of stuff. But also there was a debate about that the team was 40 points out of a playoff spot last year. And does he alone taking up all your cap room solve that problem? And I agree with that on some on some level. And I already wrote that because I yep. wrote when they said they were going to get aggressive when they signed or signed hired John Tortorella. It's like you can't expect Tortorella or signing Johnny Gaudreau to be your savior. It's right. not going to happen. But it fit the mold of what they it's what they know. They know aggressive, right? Number two, Ryan the Ryan Ellis situation made them think we have to find defensemen. It was a business decision that there were other things that they had to do. Well, we already saw that, right? And I'll get into yeah, that more. And it's, it's just interesting hearing that at the same time we're hearing news that they may be looking to shop pro Rob, but I, whatever. Well, we'll get into that. Right. Number three, the Flyers feel that John Tortorella can make a difference, that players have a fresh start. It will be overall better that they have a, a couple holes as opposed to, to plug a couple of holes rather than sign one big free agent. Okay. I get it. Like yeah, we just lo- said, it's, it, it's, it's, it's logical and makes sense. So there's no way Chuck Fletcher's doing it. <laughs> but it, like, it, it fits with the okay. You can't expect a savior to come walking through the door, you know? Right. Um, and so, like, if Johnny Gaudreau was Connor McDavid, it's a little more of a conversation. Johnny Gaudreau is a very good hockey player. He is elite in the National Hockey League. He's not Connor McDavid. Oh, right. right. He's not even like Austin Matthews. He's just not right. Okay. Number four goes back to Ellis, where the Ellis uncertainty is a huge factor. That's the only thing I wrote down for that part. Number five, Friedman said he thinks that the Flyers had a lot of players on the market, and because they had such a bad season, they were dealing from a position of weakness. It's not the time to trade, say, a Travis Konechny or Ivan Provorov and expect the best return. He, he thinks that they said it doesn't make any sense to do that. Okay. I don't hate the logic Fair. on that. Okay. Number six that they want to see Ivan Provorov under a new coach, which I will double down on because, hold on, that is true. Yeah. And it, another thing that was mentioned during that part of this discussion uh, is another point that I've made on our show before, that you have one certainty with him and one uncertainty. The uncertainty is they would like to see him play next to Ryan Ellis, and we have no idea when that's right. going to happen. The certainty is you want to see him play under John Tortorella. Well, that's going to yeah. happen. So that's fair. It's fair to want both of those things, by the way. It's just I have no idea when he's playing with Ryan Ellis. I do know when he's going to start playing under John Tortorella. It's going to be in training camp in September, preseason games, regular season on October 13th. Here he comes playing under John Tortorella. We'll see what happens. That will be interesting. 
Sure. I think John Tortorella is going to have a friggin' field day with Ivan Provorov. By the way, because the kid's willing to go out and the kid's willing to go out and die for a blocked shot. Like, let's be honest. Okay, number seven, to move James Van Riemsdyk, they were asked for the 2023 first, which you already brought up. Uh, Heard that people did not want the 2024 first that they got from Florida. Okay, important caveat there. And then number eight. That the Flyers looked at the whole picture, the Ella situation, the trade market being undervalued because they had a bad season and Philly was desperate, and what it would cost to trade JVR and wondered was all of that worth it to sign Gaudreau. That's where Elliot leaves you in thirty in the Thirty Two Thoughts podcast. Right. Okay. So let's go through the timeline. So last offseason, you start by trading Nolan Patrick and Phil Myers for Ryan Ellis. And I started I did this on last week's show a little too. But I actually went back and made sure I got all the picks right and all that stuff. So we are actually telling you what what this is, you know. And I'm going to put him yeah. up on the screen for a second because we're talking about him a lot right now. Um, so you, you start by getting Ryan Ellis. Huge upgrade on paper. I think we can all agree with that, right? This was the yeah. type of defense that you wanted to play next to Ivan Provorov. All of that type of stuff, right? Out of, out of all the moves Chuck Fletcher made last summer, this is the one that... All of us universally looked at them most positively. Absolutely. Your next move was trading two draft picks, 2022 and a 2022 seventh, with Shane Goss to spare to clear out $4.5 million in cap space. So, by the way, I just wanted to mention I don't like this graphic because it looks like Chuck's staring into my soul. Well, <laughs> you want Take a look at our YouTube channel. Yeah. I know. <laughs> um, so the, and then you acquire Rasmus Ristolainen for Robert Haig, a 2021 first at 14th overall, technically 13th, by the way, with Arizona losing their pick, um, and a 2023 second. Then comes the one-for-one Cam Atkinson for Jake Voracek trade. Which and is that's fine. Where, and that's where most of the madness stops because the yeah. rest of the offseason was Derek Broussard, Keith Yandel, Martin Jones, Nate Thompson, all on one year. Just some deal. free agency pickups. Yep. So, and I wrote this in the article I put out the day after free agency, right? In theory, that was a good offseason. Ellis yes. was a massive upgrade. Ristolainen was an experiment, but, but he had one year of term left, so you had an out. And for the record, technically speaking, in terms of on-ice product, probably an upgrade over Robert Hag. Oh, from, for the player that was in the deal, yes. It, for the right. pick, I, and that's why I said on the ice, because right. I the the picks are magic beans. But there's, but there's nothing wrong with having a guy and sitting here saying, listen, we're doing an experiment here. That was a more costly one than the one-year deals. But to have an out, hey, we can trade the guy at the deadline if this doesn't work. Hey, we can, you know, if, if even it's worse if he just walks at the end of the year. But if he walks at the end of the year, he walks. Right. Uh, Atkinson was a different type of player, shoot-first mentality kind of guy. We needed needed Cam Atkinson, and honestly, we'll talk. We'll probably mention him when we talk about Johnny Gaudreau in a little bit too. Yeah, a little because there was he had a Twitter moment this yeah. week um, that was kind of a little salt in the wound for you, right? No, um, no, no, not it for was me. A little, well, like I get it. Me, I know. No, I because listen. Here's the thing: there are certain people on this earth. Yeah. Who could look you straight in the face and tell you that they just punched your mother and you'll question what your mother did to deserve it. And Cam Atkinson's one of those people. Like if he punches if he gets mad enough to physically harm somebody, what did they do? Who did they kill? By the way, Cam Atkinson had a week on social media, by the way, because there's something that involves Johnny Gaudreau and then he they announced that they were expecting. Yeah. 
like yeah, a quick little congratulations. Uh, it's not like, all bad. Like, by the way, world. the family man who has two sons already is having a, is becoming a girl dad now. Oh, good for him. Yeah, oh, so that a little. Was really cool. um, yeah. All right, so let me go back to this and get back under. Oh, so everything else that I mentioned, all the other all the other signings from that year were low risk, right? So I don't want to bury Chuck Fletcher for all of that because you're trying to set up. This is your, this is everything that you're trying to go for. You're trying to see if Ellis makes Provorov better. Atkinson changes your offense. Is Ristolainen better because he's not the number one guy? Is Carter well, Hart better behind a real defense for once? Right. So, yeah. well, because, yes, in theory, this could have been a really good team last year. In theory. So let's and we talked to, about that. Right. So let's go to December when it starts to go off the rails and Sean Couturier's hurt and Kevin Hayes has been out, then in, then out again. And Ryan Ellis has played four games and is out now. And, and, and we're not. And there's no news on him ever. Well, at the time, we didn't really know that it was still pretty early in this whole thing. But the next move is Elaine Vigneault is going to get fired. Yep. That's when the Flyers organization faced a critical, critical decision. Because on the day that you fired the coach, on the day you decided he wasn't right for the team anymore and all that, you also had to decide that the general manager and president of hockey operations, is he right to? Right. Was he the right guy to lead you out of this situation that you did not envision when you started last season? At the time... When this decision's being made, or shortly after anyway, at the time, you knew that there were two very important decisions that were on the table for whoever this was. Number one was, if the season's going off the rails, Claude Giroux's going to probably get traded. And you're going to trade away a franchise player who's your captain. We'll mention him in a little bit as well. Oh, we will. That's number one. And number two was going to be whether immediately or whether way later on in the flyers case this time around it was later on but who's the next coach permanently obviously who's the next full-time head coach right mike yo was never going to be the guy let's be honest and they held a press conference in january and they put chuck fletcher up there or i shouldn't say they put him up there it was supposed to be his press conference and dave scott showed up too. the flyers governor and together, they both essentially stated in different ways with different wordings. Chuck Fletcher's the one who used the aggressive retool line. Yep. Dave Scott said, I want to do everything I can to, f- like, I want to do everything we can to fix this now. Right. I'm opening up the blank checkbook. Right. So let's go to the trade deadline. What's the story there? You remember Cut that? and burn. Slash and burn, sell everything you can. Well, no, it is. But what's the big story that came out of the deadline? Claude Giroux. Yeah, but what about it? Not just that he got moved. Well, there's all sorts of stories. There's the fact that he only agreed to waive his contract or his no movement clause to go to Florida. Uh, There's the fact that he made that information public, uh, therefore hurting the Flyers negotiating standpoint. Uh, there was that cute little line from Chuck Fletcher uh, that we allegedly heard about that uh, essentially led to the fact that Claude Giroux wasn't welcome back or wasn't expected to be part of future plans. All right. So 
here's the story that like that as least at least as far as I know it or as far as we've heard the most of was yeah. that all Giroux wanted was a handshake agreement that the door was open when the yep. offseason rolled around. And he Chuck just wanted to know that. there was a chance. And he wasn't given that, said, fine, trade me to Florida then. And Fletcher had no leverage and ultimately had to move Yerman Rubsa and Connor Bunneman and a 2024 fifth round pick to trade Giroux to get back Owen Tippett, a 2024 first, and a 2023 third. Yep. At the same time, Fletcher made two very fine trades involving Broussard and Justin Braun. Gets back two 2023 picks. That's great. Sure. But he also did something else that sets the tone for this offseason. He re-signed Rasmus Ristolainen to a five-year deal with a $5.1 million cap hit. The out that you had to either trade him with one year of term left, which at that point in time is what, two months? And or or let him walk at the end of the year. The out is gone. You, you had you had a chance, and now you're locked into yet another long-term deal. Yep. Now we're into the offseason. Aggressive retool, right? The first move is very much an aggressive move. It's sure. An aggress- it's an aggressive blank check move because there is no salary cap for your coach. So right. they go out and they hire John Tortorella, well-established, known to be tough and demanding, but protective of his players, and known for a specific style. All right. That fits the narrative, right? Oh, yeah. In a, in a world where the Flyers are good, John Tortorella would be an entertaining as hell Philadelphia Flyers coach. He would be a fantastic choice for this city if the Flyers were good. The problem is that they're not. <laughs> then we get okay, so then we get to draft weekend and last Friday. They trade for Tony D'Angelo. The cost is a 2022 fourth, a 2023 third, and a 2024 second. Yep. He then signs a two year deal with a five million dollar cap hit. Again, whether you like the guy or not. He had 54 points last season and fits the narrative of this aggressive retool thing. Right. And this is where and now this is where you were starting to go at the top of the show. Then comes the buyout of Oscar Lindblom. You start that process. This is a business decision. Everybody loves the guy. Yep. But they needed the money and what they wanted to, for what they wanted to try to do and what they were going to get out of that in particular was more than they actually were going to pay him if he stayed on the roster. They actually got $3.33 million. Right, because he's under cap. 25 and you buy him out for one. Th- it's a whole little cap it is. thing. So, yeah. so they do it. That left one move to free up the space that they wanted. Yep. They were shopping James and Reamsdyke, and the price was too high for them at the time. And they've been shopping him for sure, 18 I'm, months oh, at this sure. point. Now, to kind of go back to what you were already talking about and what I mentioned with the 32 thoughts pod that Elliot said, if the pick that everybody wanted was the 2023 first, the flyers are right for holding on to it. But that doesn't absolve you from the contracts that you signed to lead up to this point that take up all of your cap space, right? You're paying Rasmus Ristolainen and Tony D'Angelo a combined $10.1 million toward the cap to price yourself out of signing everyone else except for bringing back Justin Braun and handing out a four-year deal with a modified no-trade clause 
to Nick Delorier and like to do that, that's not exactly aggressive. No. It's it's aggressively something. But here's the thing, like you're allowed to go over the cap in the summer. Mm-hmm. If you keep it in your shorts for two weeks and don't sign the jerk off from Carolina, you have the room to make this move. You can move JVR when the right deal comes along. You're not under a whole lot of pressure. You don't like and maybe you still buy out Lindblom. I know you mentioned that was something they've been talking about for months. There's eight million dollars right there. Well, and and that you're you're what you're saying is exactly what I one of the things I put out there later or put or said on the radio or whatever, which is you, you don't worked, work, you worked backwards, right? You don't work backwards in this case because if you work backwards and go, well, gee, you know what? We'll get this guy now, and that's going to price us out of this guy technically. But you know, like the last thing you want to do is outprice yourself for everybody else because of one move you made. I don't want to say could have waited, but you could have addressed the need after the fact. I, like, I get it. There's a good chance that D'Angelo is not available beyond the draft weekend. But Sure, you, you go get Brent. If you want to get real aggressive, you get Brent Burns. That's who Carolina got to replace him. Well, we're going to get into all those teams, too. But um, but that's that was the problem for me. They came out and they've said for six months that this is this was going to be aggressive. They said they lacked high-end talent, and this was a chance to sign high-end talent. Sure. And don't get me wrong, you have a lot of holes left to fill. And rightfully so, when you try to get the prize of free agency, there are plenty of other teams out there that want what you want and and that are trying to do what you're trying to do. This particular high-end talent player wanted to play for you he signed for 9.8 in columbus could you have gotten him for nine flat i don't know about that what i kept coming back to okay you you want to know what i maybe no do you want to know what i kept coming back to and i'll kind of go into this a little bit when we get to the johnny stuff a little bit yeah he he turned down and i think calgary went higher later but he turned down 9.5 and i think he would have done 9.5 in philly i believe i heard that calgary went into 10 they, they tried. They went and that I, they went they, above ten, but I think at that point he had already kind of. They pushed it so far to the limit that it's not even funny, and they absolutely, without question, did their absolute best to keep him. Yeah. Well. And yeah. No, they did. Believe me, I don't think they wanted to go to ten, and they went to ten to try to keep him. Yeah, but they didn't go to ten until the last minute. If they had gone to nah, ten by in that point, May, think, they might have gotten them. Yeah. I don't know. It's interesting. I don't I'm know. just saying I'm, you know. But, okay. This guy wanted to play for your team, and you didn't find, not only did you not find a way to make it happen, but all, like, the approach all of a sudden got passive and reversed course. Insert Happy Gilmore, you blew it. I'm sorry. Um, Billy Madison. You're Billy it? Madison. I'm sorry. <laughs> Insert Billy Madison. You blew it! Um... Uh, one thing I want to make clear about this, and I don't know if I actually I, – I think I put this in the article too, but I don't recall completely. Um, this isn't about Johnny Gaudreau. Like, we could be saying this about any big-name, high-skill free agent that happened – like, it just happened to be Gaudreau on the market. It just happened to be Gaudreau wanted to play in Philadelphia. It, this isn't about him. Like, there are people who can agree, you know, very much what was said at the very top of the 32 Thoughts thing, and I'm one of them. I agree with this, that – Signing him alone wasn't going to change much of anything. Like, right. 
it does it you know it makes you a better team sure does it make you for sure in certain playoff team does it get you out of this hole we don't no. know that so did did they dodge a bullet there maybe but time will tell on that and but there's like the thing for me was from the earliest points of this offseason I, I believed Johnny Gaudreau would become a flyer okay because that was what they seemed to be setting themselves up to do like th- like based on what they said they were trying to do when you equate aggressive and high-end talent and skill players and things like that when you equate all that into a you know if you put that together in a formula and looked at the free agent list the player it was going to spit out was Johnny Gaudreau that's right. what uh, that's what it that's what it turns out to be um you know, it's a hundred point player who was born in your backyard and grew up loving the Flyers. Hello. Right. So, but ra- so rather than doing that, rather than getting a guy like that, they said aggressive retool for six months, and came away from the off season with Tony D'Angelo, Nick Delorier, and essentially, and I'm not even including Justin Braun because he was on the roster last year. So they've run the rest of it back. God, I hate this team. And I'm like, I, I sit there and go. That's it. That's aggressive. I don't care who the coach is. You're getting, you're supposed to win with a roster that's built like that. Like it, it made absolutely no sense. The time has come to end the embarrassment that is Flyers management. So maybe we should throw this one up here too for a moment because that's. You know, the, that, that's a question. Now, it's a question that's, as I've written it here, it's a vague yeah. question, is it not? It is. Tear it down can mean a lot of things. Now, it can mean the roster. It can mean the front office. It can mean both those things. It can mean the Wells Fargo Center. Are we ready for a new building? I don't know. Uh, not with all the renovations that they're doing. I know, I know. They plan on being in that building for another 20 years. Um, all right, so let's let me. I'll explain why this is a banner. Yeah, for us because that's the uh, literally that's the start of the headline for the story I wrote the next day. Okay, and it, can I and, can I just tell you how I feel about it? Yeah, I want everyone gone. I want Dave Scott gone. I want Chuck Fletcher gone. I want Paul Holmgren gone. I want Bobby Clark gone. I want the entire alumni crew. I, I'm sorry, Bob the Hound Kelly. We love you. We'll party with you in Sea Isle. Just get away from the team. Everybody. Everybody who's ever worn a Philadelphia Flyers jersey except Danny Briere, get away from the team. Right now. Forever and ever. Go retire. I don't wish firing upon people, but I also know that the people I'm talking about are probably multimillionaires who have at very minimum had six or seven figure salaries for 20 or 30 years. So I don't really feel bad wishing the loss of their job upon them. And I want all of them to be fired. We can find another Comcast fan or another Flyers fan at Comcast who can sit in Dave Scott's team or Dave, Dave Scott's seat and actually be a representation of what this team needs. It, bad. It has been awful. And it was, things were bad before that and there were symptoms of this, mm-hmm. but it's been awful since the second Ed Snyder died. So, so here's the thing for me. I, I, there are a couple things that you're saying that I do think are a little extreme. You're not, you're not off base. Who, with me? It. No. You're not off base with a lot of it, to be honest. I don't think you need to rope the alumni that already 
shake hands with people on a regular basis and just make appearances into this. I don't want to look down and see the old guard anymore. But that's what I think this team needs. It's a culture change. And that means, at least for the moment, completely, entirely, wholly sanitize yourself from the Broad Street Bullies. I don't want Bobby or I don't want Bernie Perrant to be able to walk into the Wells Fargo Center with a ticket. Like I no offense Bernie, I love you, but I just this team needs something drastically different. This team is very clearly rotten to the core. The entire tree is dead. No fruit will come from it. Right. Okay. So I mean it, it, that, see, that part's hard to me because they're already doing exactly what I – like, and I kind of said this in the article. I don't want – like, we're, we can talk about Chuck Fletcher all we want to. This isn't just a Chuck Fletcher problem because nope. – and, and I kind of spe- spell it out a little differently because of the fact that there were two things for me that kind of came up with that, – that, that involved this, this old guard, if you will. They're advisors in the sense that Chuck Fletcher can – bounce around ideas but they also are kind of a feedback committee for dave scott that right for for a person who's not a hockey guy like dave scott is and wants to know how things are going he may go to bob clark or and Paul i think, and I think ask, he does and hey, i think that's he... the problem well and that ex- well and that's why i'm saying then yep. all, like you you tell you tell bob clark paul holmgren and dean lombardi Thank you for your services as senior advisors. You ride off into the sunset, and you can come back and shake hands with people all you want to, but you're not sitting in you're not sitting in a room making decisions anymore. For the record, I don't think Dave Scott comes to Bob Clark and says, "How is he doing?" I think Bob Scar- Bob Clark goes to Dave Scott and says, "Here's what he's doing." And there's there's a distinct difference there. I don't think Bob Clark ever truly handed over the keys to the general manager's office. I don't know if anybody ever handed over the keys to anything. Like I think that I think they all have their hands on the keys. You know what and I mean? And that's like, why every single person who ever well, wore a jersey for this team needs to leave. Here, here's here's the thing about this, okay? If you've got Okay, so like you've got a bunch of voices in there right now that I don't think any of them know what direction they want to go. For all I know, Chuck Fletcher's in there trying to do the right thing and getting overruled. You know what I mean? Like, Well, like, if he's picking his battles, he's not picking the right ones. Right, but what I'm saying is, is that I don't want – he is the general manager and president of hockey operations. Now, I, I'm still critical of what he's doing, but if he's not the one who's making the final call on what the direction of the franchise is – then you got a problem. So what you're saying is Chuck Fletcher is either a yes man or a buffoon. Well, I, I think that the whole operation is incompetent. Yeah. Because, because to me, you're you're just bouncing around ideas, and one we're person, throwing you know, it at the wall and seeing what sticks. Well, and you can't and do already, that on the fly in the well, National Hockey League. That's not even the biggest problem. They they did everything around. Like, it, if I have to hear one more time about Sean Couturier is going to be back and. Kevin Hayes is going to be like, I'm not sitting here saying, why do you trust your medical staff? Well, How I'm do you not, know that? Well, and I'm not sitting here. Well, look, I think that the timeline looks good for them, but 
I'm less worried about those. It's it's actually less about them starting the season. It's more about them holding up. Yep. That's the thing. Like you're right. hoping that they play. Like you're hoping Sean Couturier gives you 73, 74 games this year. When right? has when has the medical staff ever proven? Okay, I am sure that they are all competent individuals, and I am not. Well, don't and don't forget that what the medical staff is currently going through either. Uh, right. Well, right. And I'm sure that there's some angst on top of it. But it certainly seems like every time a flyer is injured, there's a setback or he takes longer to rehab than expected or he's got to get surgery for this. Right. Or he's got to get surgery for this or we rush him back too soon and he gets hurt again or this or that or we Mm -hmm. don't diagnose Nolan Patrick for two years or like, hello, can we get a new medical staff too, please? Well, because the whole thing is messed up, right? Like. For, the city of Philadelphia has 412 hospitals, and they're all excellent. Can we get somebody from one of them? Hello? So, you're not wrong. You're not wrong. You're not wrong. But, so here's, like, I just don't know how you can move forward with any of them. Like, one, okay, so one of Anybody! I, like I said, like I said, the only guy who I keep coming back to that I sit there and say, you know what? It's not really fair to throw it all on it's his Danny Briere. Well, yeah, because he's been. I actually had to go back and look it up. He was officially hired at, at the end of February. I know it was. Yeah, no, he gets an absolute pass. It's, it's, so it's been what he hadn't even been officially an general manager. He hasn't officially been an assistant GM for a, more than uh, five uh, months. Now. Assistant to the GM. Well, yeah, but uh, it, it's pretty much assistant. <laughs> Okay, so in six months, we should, we're not going to, but we should see Daniel Briere as the GM and John Tortorella as the head coach somehow. Actually, no, I don't think so. Do you know what they really need to do? And, and this, there's two things. Fire everybody? Well, yes, but like, here's the thing. There's two things they need to do when it comes to whatever they want to do to make the direction go the right way. You need to get somebody in here first and foremost, and I don't want to name names or go there, go there yet. Because there's not, I, I don't know, like, I, I know what I'd like them to try to do or who, like, you have to look at current general managers today and say, like, I'd like for them to have a guy like this. You know, th- that's what I'll do for you in a second. But the first thing you need to do is get somebody in here who knows what he wants to do and then puts people around him who are in agreement. Not not people who are around him just saying yes to everything. You no, don't want people who yes think the same way. Right. You need people who collectively all understand building and constructing an NHL team today. The word you're looking for is cohesive. Well, yeah, you want a cohesive unit, but you don't want the last thing you want is something from 20. You know, you need like the method 20 years ago. The method 20 years ago will not work. End of story. End of conversation. The type of general manager that I would think you want. And one one a great example just got promoted, by the way. Okay. I'm because, I'm thinking of an example myself, so I'm curious who you who your example. I'd is. like to hear your example because I have like three others. If you take this okay. one, so it's okay. Well, my general man, uh, my uh, my selection here is Don Waddell. That's an interesting one, and yes, he because did the front the Ryan front Smith. office in Carolina is all heading in the same direction. They're all they are on one singular mission with one singular plan to do the best they can do to go win the Stanley Cup. Right. And ev- every year they do that, and every year they do a spectacular job. So, okay, so that was not one of the names I was thinking of. but Fair that, enough. But that's because what I did is I grabbed every 
recent assistant that moved to become oh, yeah. a general manager. So the most recent example of that, by the way, is for the defending, the now defending Stanley Cup champion Colorado Avalanche, who just moved Joe Sackick to just president of hockey ops, and their general manager is Chris McFarland, who was their assistant for their a general long time. Ma- their general manager is Joe Sackick. He just didn't want to do quite as much work. It doesn't matter. They managed, they managed to retain a guy like McFarland before right. somebody else came in and said, hey, you know what? Your assistant's probably doing a really good job. Right. I should, we should get him, right? I think of when Steve Eiserman decided to leave Tampa and Julian Breeze was right behind. It's the upbringing, is it not? Like, hey, I learned from Sackick. I learned from Eiserman. Think about in, in for the New York Rangers. Chris Drury was the guy in training for a long time, and he stays and he becomes a general manager, and he's a finalist for the Exec of the Year award, right? Also, another good and another good example, previously with Columbus, but now with Florida, Bill Zito, yep. another guy who goes through the ranks, learns a lot, and then he's ready for the job. I know a while ago, so it's been a while since I followed the NFL, but a while ago, uh, coaching trees were a big thing, and who came out of the the Bill Parcells coaching tree, and who came out of the blah 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 coaching tree, and. I'd be curious to see kind of where the genesis is at in the NHL. You know, I'd like to see what yeah. guys kind of spawned the most future head coaches. Um, yeah, that's an interesting yeah. one. That's a good point. Maybe um, we'll do that over the summer at some point. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> that's yeah, that's a fun one. Um, so let's see about this. Um, trying to figure out where else to go. So maybe we should. So are we done with this part kind of like? we? Yeah, I think so. Kind do of we want our piece. So do we want to get to uh, the other the next guy? Yeah, is that Johnny? Yeah, of course yeah. it is. Let's, let's get to Johnny Hockey. All right, so do you want my uh, stuff on Johnny yeah. Gaudreau now? Yeah, right, hit me. So, so let's play a timeline game here because – and this is kind of a short timeline between the signing and the information. Right. This is going to be like three days' worth of information. And this – you know, it'll be what it'll be. Um, so – this timeline is a big reason why I was frustrated with the approach that they had. So on Monday morning, right after we recorded last, this is, I, I probably had published the show for 20 minutes. Right. I was told then, and this is not like, and oh, by the way, as I kind of said earlier, I'm going to kind of let you, let you know as I tell, as I tell everything, what ended up being kind of not true and what ended up being true, Right. Because I heard a lot of stuff, and I didn't really put a lot of it out there because there wasn't a lot of backup information to support it. It was sure. kind of guesswork. So I, I didn't want to just run with something. But we'll, I'll tell you what turned out to be true and what didn't. So this first thing turned out to be true. Monday morning, not 20 minutes after the episode goes up, I was told Johnny Gaudreau turned down two offers from Calgary in the last couple of days. Turned out to be true. Yep. This next thing also turned out to be true. Now, Monday afternoon... I was told about the desire, his desire to play in Philadelphia, that this is where he wants to go. Yep. Another thing that was right, Monday night, I was told Oscar Lindblom was being bought out. This is where it gets a little bit tricky, because at around the same time, I was told the next step was a JVR trade with a first. Okay. And essentially told in no uncertain terms, it's happening. He's going to sign in Philly probably. This this is all lined up. They know what they're going to do, and it's happening. Wow. Right? Yeah. Now, here here's this is why I wasn't 
Uh, this is one of those. This is why you didn't I'd... run with anything. Well, because the next morning, tw- this is Tuesday morning, and this is maybe twelve hours after I had this previous conversation. I was told with more than twenty four hours to go before the market even opens. I was told that Johnny Gaudreau would not become a flyer on Wednesday. Okay. Tur- which turned out to be right, obviously. Right, yeah. There's a few details that are going to come that didn't have as much truth, or maybe they did, and there's some things that happened that changed it, so I'll get into that. But sure. I didn't really put it out there because while I wasn't necessarily surprised that he was not going to become a flyer potentially at that moment, I didn't want to put it out there because of the fact that there was also that thought in my mind that there's still a lot of time left here. Oh, right. What day. if what if you're getting that information because there's no JVR trade, but then a JVR trade materializes? Well, right. Like right. it was pretty obvious that that was the move that needed to happen for the. That's what's holding everything happen. up. But at the same time, this is the part where as soon as somebody kind of hits you with, "Nope, it's not happening." This is the part where they get desperate and they do make the trade happen and they don't care about the first round pick anymore because it's, well, we're going to miss out on drought. This is, we, we got to do this. And this is where I I literally wrote in the notes that I have for the show tonight. I literally wrote the, like the 11th hour offer comes in. Right. You know, and they, they decide they do this, but what I was told ended up being true, obviously. Right. Um, now this, this is going to be really interesting details for you because this is now where the other teams start to get involved. I was told at that given time that it was down to two teams and, and that he and for one that he was still weighing Calgary. OK. And that there was a mystery team that was in the running. And for what it's worth, it was not Columbus at that time. Oh, really? Yes, it was not Columbus. I don't know how true this is, but I'll float to you okay. or I'll tell you the team that was floated my way regarding Johnny Gaudreau and where he could go. Pittsburgh. Oh, we would have had problems, Jonathan. Now, before people sit there and go, how would that have happened? This was before Malkin had signed, and there was a lot of buzz that Malkin was going to market. I, it was reported that Malkin was going to market. Right. So maybe there was something that they could have done to enter this sweepstakes and still be in, because Malkin got what? 6.1 also, right? That's his AAV yeah. also. He got the same thing that Latang got. I couldn't handle Crosby to Gaudreau. Ugh. Makes me well, want to vomit. Believe, believe me, as this was going through, I, I even had my immediate reaction to the possibility of Pittsburgh was, geez, it's, you're talking Gensel, Crosby, Gaudreau, it's Letang, obscene. and like Letang and throw somebody else Bro, in there. Whoever. Like, and I'm like, he might actually replicate the 115 doing that. You know, like for he everybody, might, he might score 60. It's, I, it's not crazy. Possible. It's, it's not crazy. Possible. Yeah. Um, all right. So that's OK. So now that same night, Gaudreau says he's not returning to Calgary at that point. So that that comes out. Right. And I go back and I ask, so is it Pittsburgh? Because that's what I was being fed. Right. And at that time, I was uh, the, what I heard back was that Carolina was kind of back in and making a bit of a push i also believe that the devils were in and to kind of feedback and this goes back to the flyers thing a little bit because the flyers said they were never in on johnny gaudreau right and 
Elliot Friedman said that they were never really in this thing, right? Like, he kind of said that way. Here's what I think that means. Because I kind of said on the radio and the They were trying really hard to act not interested so they well, could no, trade JVR? No, here's what I think this means. Because my immediate reaction on the radio to that was that Chuck Fletcher flat out lied. <laughs> and okay. I said that. I said it was, a, it was a lie. It was a complete lie. Fair enough. I think here's it's a reasonable what, here's assumption. The, here's what I think it really means to say that they were never in and and still be like and be right about it, but be wrong about it at the same time, if you will. I think there was definitely interest. He was interested in them. Obviously, it was out there that he was right. It was and, like pretty open. And I believe they were interested in him. The reason that they said they were never in on him is because when they didn't move the contract, they needed to move. They never made an offer. Right. That's what I think happened. And that's why we can kind of sit there and say they were never in. So what I'm also going to tell you is that at least from what I believe, and I don't have any info on this, but this is my belief or based on a couple things I saw. I think that the Islanders were in the same position that they were interested and kept an ear out for like what's happening. They were looking for the cap space if they could find it, but never went in like they never like I like I like I fully believe the devils had an offer on the table. I believe the Devils might have had a couple offers. On Carolina, the table. Carolina was trying a, a variety of things, as we'll get into. Obviously, Columbus got in on it later, but I believe that that's why that we're hearing the Flyers were not in because they never put a formal offer out there. And I think the Islanders did the same thing. I don't think there was ever a formal "we can go here," right? Um, that's fair. Now, the Columbus though was a complete and total dark horse. Never mentioned at any point during conversations I had about this. Never speculated at any point. Completely out of the blue, this was the place. It was out of the blue, huh? Yeah, I didn't I guess I didn't mean the pun there, but whatever. <laughs> um and believe me, cuz here's the thing about that signing by the way. I need you to picture my Wednesday timeline here because free agency opens at 12 and I'm sitting here and by that point it was already starting to kind of come out already that this wasn't like this wasn't going to happen right and more importantly the JVR deal wasn't going to happen well because I think this would have very quickly fallen into place no because I I think that now it was like it was pretty early on that it was like no Gaudreau's not happening it didn't have anything to do with the JVR thing as much anymore because it was just they're out they're done like you're not done they're out I don't want to say they're done yet because we didn't find that out until five o'clock when it came straight out of the general manager's mouth that that we're done on day one of the uh, free agency period. It's great to hear, Chuck. Aggressive retool. Thanks, which, bud. Yeah, which, by the way, to sit there, the other thing that I've heard a lot about, and this is a fair point, that was taken away from the press conference was that it was going to be really hard to move and not like to move multiple contracts to. That's your job, man. Right, I don't want to hear how hard exactly. it is. That's your job, and you accepted it. And if it's it, like if you don't like how hard it is, then get out. But There's it's hard, right? Is that the, yeah, and but yeah. Well, here and here was the thing. Did you hear what other GMs were saying? Like when they go and get this guy, or they get that guy, or Columbus gets Gaudreau, and it's when you have that opportunity, you go to work and you yep. find a way to make it work. And yep. you've got a general manager who said the opposite. And listen, and we talked about it a little bit. I. Uh, I agree mm-hmm. that they probably shouldn't have traded their 2023 first. Right. But here's the thing. Don't make the other stupid moves that put you in that right. spot to begin with. 
Right. That's the stuff that I don't get either. Like, you and, postured this whole aggressive retool, did a and, bunch of stuff that fed, like, went into it, and then... And this isn't some crazy circumstance where Johnny Gaudreau suddenly found himself upon the free agent market. I've been right. talking about the Johnny Gaudreau tampering committee on this show for like two years. Like we've known about Johnny Gaudreau as a free agent possibility. We joked about it when Kevin Hayes signed in 2019. No, what you really did was this, and this is the biggest example of it that I know of most, or as, as far back as I can go with this. Hayes was already here. They get Atkinson. They get Yandel. They get like all these guys who are all buds with each other. And right. You were, and you were what are we doing? And, and you were coming on the show. And every time it came up, you were just sitting here going, come home, Johnny. Come, come home, home, Johnny. You were, you were sitting here. And he did. Turns he out he wanted to. to. He wanted to. Um, all right. So if anyway. Johnny ever writes an autobiography, please tell me how cheap you would have signed in Philly for. Please tell me. Oh, that would be funny. Tell me you would have signed for seven so I can just be even more angry at Chuck Fletcher. So. So let's let, let's let's get back to where I was at with what I was saying before. Um, okay, so everything happens at that point, and it's five o'clock, and they have the press conference, and they say we're done. Okay, that's my cue. Doing strictly flyer stuff, my work is done. Right, your day's I just, over. I I, no, I have to write an article on like, oh well, this is what they did today, and they're done. Here's uh, what they didn't didn't do. Well, here's what they didn't do. Here's right. what they said they were going to do. Here's what they ultimately did. Here's how none of it makes sense. Blah, blah, Here blah. is the exact place on my ass that Chuck can kiss. Yeah. That's, that's more for you to say <laughs> than me. But, um, so my work is done. I go out. Like, I'm out to dinner that night because I got all the time in the world now. Not, no, There's no signings that are going to break on my end. The GM came out and said they're done. Right. And... It was not long after I sat down for dinner that night that the store that that Johnny's destination was out there, that it was Columbus, and there's there's an element to me that's interesting about that. By the way, uh, before you get into this, the contract, by the way, is uh, seven years, nine point seven five per. Johnny Gaudreau is going to be an even wealthier man than yeah, he already I, I is. All rounded, right, go ahead. I saw it rounded up to set to 9.8, which cap friendly has it as uh, 68.25975 a year. So, well, because they, they get super technical about it. I think yeah. it, it was Friedman's tweet was 9.8, 9.8, but it was, yeah. it was probably nine, seven, five is what, is what the real number is. Yes. Right. Um, so I, like I see that and I kind of just, it's not push it out of my mind, but it's like, okay, but do you notice what time that happened? There's a lot of guys, even big ones, who within an hour and a half or two hours of free agency make their call, right? Right, and they definitely wait until noon to start talking with teams about contracts. Wink. <laughs> well, sure, but... There's no conversation beforehand. You, None. Yeah, do you see where I'm going with this? Yes. He waited. Yep. He waited all day, like as in, oh, please, please tell me there's a, a chance. I believe I heard Elliot Friedman mention that around 3 o'clock there was still an offer from the Devils on the table. I believe that. I believe that he was weighing plenty of stuff as the afternoon went on and, and in the back of his mind going, all right, when's Philly getting here? If Ch if the phone rings and Chuck Fletcher's name pops up, he's answering it with tears in his eyes because he's so happy. Like, come on, Chuck. Make the call, buddy. So so let's do something else for a minute here, and I'm going to uh, try to see here if I can uh, bounce to Yeah, I can do this here. So I want to go to this because this is important. We're going to take the banner off the screen here. Okay. In a and we're going to go and look at something that I put together because one thing we need to talk about, was Johnny because Johnny Gaudreau went went local 
in some capacity. He went not too far from home, you know. He went a short 45-minute ride away from home Bingo. if you take a plane flight. Like, it, it's quick. It's not complicated no. here. Um, and if you really well, want to drive it, it's about seven hours. I've done it a couple times. And Well, and actually, he didn't just do that because, yes, Columbus is the 45-minute flight. Columbus also gets to play in Philadelphia three, four times a year. New in Jersey, New, Jersey, three, New York, year. New York. New York three, yep. four times a year. Washington three, four times a year. Right. His like, family his family can see him probably close to 20 times this year and never have to drive for more than 90 minutes. Bingo. All right. So that means that Johnny Gaudreau landed in the Metropolitan Division. He sure did. There are plenty of others who did this week, too. So... Can we take the Flyers off season and kind of do some comparisons? Because this is pretty. Please, for the love of God. By the way, I was prepping this graphic this afternoon and had to revise it before the show tonight because another move was made by another divisional team. So let's get into all of it, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. Really big. So look at these lists. Okay. And if you're not watching our YouTube channel, uh, go check it out there. Uh, YWT podcast will pop right up. Um, For the people who aren't, but you should go and look at this on the screen because, th- first of all, by the way, this is this is as close to the NHL Network graphic as I can give you. So, so you want to you want to talk about a team that acquired quality, or do you want to talk about a team that acquired quantity? Because we have both options here. Where do you want to start? Can we talk about the ones that did both at the same time? Yeah, let's talk about the Carolina Hurricanes. Okay, you want to start with Carolina? Yeah, because I think they acquired the most of both. Because um, it's interesting because they acquired two guys that are two guys in particular that are older, but, yeah. but certainly have their like have their reputation for being able to do a lot of things. They got Brent Burns, who is one of those older players you were talking about. They got him at a reduced cap hit, so it's not sure. going to crush him. Uh, I believe two more years left on him, maybe three, something like that. Uh, he will be sheltered within their system. They'll probably be playing him with Jacob Slavin, possibly the best pure defenseman in the world. Right. And if that's the case, Brent Burns can do whatever he wants. We all know he used to be a forward. Right. Jacob Slavin can handle the back end. Don't worry about it. <laughs> they also acquired Max Pacioretty and Dylan Coughlin. I'll throw him in here, too. Well, for Lane, free. Lane Peterson came over in the Burns deal, too. So that's, oh, okay. that's why that's but, on there, too. Yes. Hey, but Pacioretty and Coughlin specifically because of the price they paid for him, which, oh, by the way, was nothing. <laughs> uh, future considerations, which very rarely turns into much. And, I mean, I mentioned Don Waddell earlier in the show. I, he has had a fantastic little offseason. Can we mention the part where Andre Kasha is the only free agent signing that they made? The yeah. rest were all trades. Yep. Yeah. And Andre cool. Kasha is going to be. Uh, okay. So another name on this list signed with the New York Rangers, Vincent Trocek leaving Carolina. I think Andre Kasha is, is going to slip into that role very, very well. I think there's a chance that Pacioretty does even. That's fair. And that's, that's fair. Li- that's more the move that I align with that Kasha. Andre well, Kasha, if you trade them out for one for one and then you still added Andre Kasha. Right. Well, in Andre Kasha, the only thing that he has to do more than anything is stay healthy. Uh, and you traded one offensive defenseman for another. You, uh, I mean, it's arguable at this point in time whether 77 and Brent Burns is uh, It's probably a bit of a downgrade on the ice, quite frankly. You know, I, I, think, I think they gave up less to get Burns, though. I got plenty for D'Angelo. They so. got three picks in return that they're going to be seeing the fruits of for three more seasons, whether they keep them or trade them. Pretty, it's pretty funny stuff. Great deal. Um, 
who do you want to go? Well, you already mentioned the Rangers, so let's just jump to the Rangers. Yeah, you already absolutely. Project, so let's just jump. I mean, they didn't do a lot, but then again, did they have to? <laughs> no, I mean, they shipped out Alexander Georgiev, and you might be sitting there thinking, well, wait, who's going to play behind Shostarkin then? Well, they picked up Louis Domingue and Yaroslav Halak, who will be choice. a supremely competent 1B and 1C, especially because there's yeah. only going to be about 25 games to play for, for whoever ends up in that right, back behind spot. The, behind Igor Shostarkin. Let's be honest. Here. Igor, if Igor wants to play, Igor's playing. Right. And for what it's worth, the other name on that list for the Rangers, Ryan Carpenter, is, is very much the type of player that they try to get the most out of. Like, one of the players that they lost, and I, I do kind of want to touch on some of the players that they lost, because the Rangers probably lost more than anything in the division. Like, the, they had a lot of free agents that they weren't able to keep. Like, we right. knew that Strom was going to be tough. Ryan Strom, that is. Right. And we knew that Cop was going to be tough. And then and Vitrano was another one. He left, too. Man, so, Cop in Detroit, by the way, that's a sneaky, really well, good signing for Steve Heiserman. I, oh, man, that's a good signing. Don't jump too far ahead. We're going to get to that. Okay. Don't worry. I have something prepared for them. Don't oh, we got, we got league ads, too, huh? Uh, we, got, we got a couple teams that, are, that the Flyers are going to see regularly enough that I thought were not, right. not completely impressive, but like two of them were. And I'm we'll looking at the Washington Capitals here. And does Marcus K- Johansson really count as an acquisition? <laughs> well, because he was already there. Yeah, I know. Um, I know. <laughs> no, but the other two I was really actually impressed with. I think, first of all, that if you're going to sub out a goaltender, I'm not trying to sit here and say that Kemper is the greatest goaltender in the league by any stretch. But when you decide that you're going to move both goaltenders in some capacity, yep, then getting Darcy Kemper, who just won a Stanley Cup, is not bad. I... <sighs> Capitals make the playoffs this year. Well, I, I, I don't, you know, I don't know if I ever put them out of the playoffs, to be honest. Man, but look at this division. Right. Look at this division. And then, oh, I know. And I then look think... at the Atlantic. I know. Man, the playoffs in the East are going to be ridiculous. The race for the playoffs this year is going to be ridiculous. And then the first two rounds are going to be ridiculous. I can't wait. Um, let's and, and by the way, so I, I already mentioned Kemper. Dylan Strom's another one, by the way. I thought was a good value acquisition for washington yes. honestly yeah um, but the signing i'm excited most there is connor brown well that they got him in a trade and uh, the acquisition there yeah the acquisition it's a, it, it's an interesting one i do think that he's got a role that he can play so i i'm not i i understood it i'm not like i do i get it Man, for sure he's gonna be a problem on that okay. team he's gonna be brad marchand-esque Okay, Maybe so, not points production wise, but man, he's going to be annoying. So, so really quickly before, like, all right. So, which one do we want to do next? Do we want to do the Devils next because that's the longest list that's left, or do we want to try to wipe out the three teams? That- uh, let's wipe out the quick ones here. Uh, the Islanders have only acquired Alexander Romanov, who they got at the draft. Um, now, that's I do want to say something about them because that's an interesting one to me. Not not necessarily for the player, but you know what's interesting to me is that. They have every reason to run it back because sure. it was a weird year, and they're not going to start by playing their first whatever on the well, fifteen games on the road or whatever. And they've already kind of made their bet that the coaching change was going to be enough. Well, I, I would love to see what without all that travel and without certain guys being all over. Like, I'd love to know what that means for Barzil and Lee and Bavillier and Nelson and all these guys who we know are good players. That just didn't seem to put it together completely last season. Sure. 
Like I think that they, I I, I don't want to put them in the playoffs because it's, it's going to be a tough playoff year for pretty much everybody else in this division. Well, and you got to see what their goaltending looks like. Yeah, but they've got Sorokin, who's pretty darn good, and I do like him. So yeah, they're not playing behind a Barry Trot system anymore. I mean, I know it'll be similar. I know it's they're a lot not, of this. But they've, but they've got defensemen. Like that's when fair. You get like they've got guys. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> they've got guys. Kevin Durso, twenty twenty two. Pelik and Polak and I know, you know and, and you throw in you know a Dobson keeps coming up and, and coming up in the rank he's rising fast yeah no Dobson's going to be a good little player for oh, sure for sure so I, I already like their forward group I think they've got three really solid guys on the back end and then whatever else they can try to do I, well actually three and I wonder how Rom- Roman Romanov fits in there I think there's a chance he gets into their top six and if he does I think well, he'll I, have for sure I think he's in their top yeah. six I almost wonder if if he does well enough, if they would ever move him top four, because I know that he was a highly touted prospect in Montreal. That's fair. So it's, I wonder what they decide to do, how they decide to use him. Yeah, uh, we'll, we'll see how that works for them. Um, we talked about the Johnny Gaudreau uh, acquisition for the Columbus Blue Jackets. The other pickup there is interesting. Uh, Eric Goodbranson. It's de- and it's defensive depth. I'm, and I'm not trying to say defensive depth in the sense that like not a guy who you – hope you never have to use because he's like a seven no this is a guy who's like third pairing material sure like easily and uh maybe even like number four and you throw him on your second pairing when you need somebody in a pinch you know? yeah and and i heard via elliot friedman 32 thoughts podcast uh, somebody we mentioned quite a lot in this show uh <laughs> is the fact that those uh, those acquisitions johnny Gaudreau, eric Branson are also messages to patrick line essentially sure. and they're they're uh, a notification that the team wants to win. And, you know, we all know Patrick Line wants to win. And Well, and think about, like, think about some of the other guys they have that have kind of withstood all of the changes that were made. And, like, you still have goaltending because you do have Merzlikens. Yeah. So you have goaltending. Well, they have both, don't they? Didn't they re-sign Corpus Allo, too? Yes. So they have both. Wierenski's still the horse on the blue line. Like, he's, he's a the, monster. He's the big one there. And, and they've got some other guys who can... Certainly helped there in addition to Goodbranson. And then at forward, like, Jake Voracek makes a whole hell of a lot more sense when you've got a Gaudreau and a Line nearby. Like, you want yeah. the guy who knows how to set up guys at that yeah. point. Like, it, yeah, feed feed those guys as many passes as you want. Like, th- like think about that, though, for a second. Gaudreau, Line, and Voracek for sure on a top power play. Oh, Yeah. Oh, yeah. Jake Voracek will be running the show and there. Wierenski. He's got multiple Sorry, options. And Wierenski on the blue line. That That's going to be a tough unit to play against. I don't care who you are. See where, um, we're, see where we're going now? Like, that's going to – exactly. Okay, so I don't think Columbus is necessarily a playoff team just because the division is so tough. New York and Carolina are probably locked in. Pittsburgh re-signing the whole – like, having the whole big three coming back. Right, like, probably puts them into it's interesting because i wrote out what they did like acquisition wise and it's like up until this afternoon it was just jan ruda which is a good acquisition don't get me wrong he played on tampa for the last couple of years so like obviously but now you add in jeff petrie by the way, I think that the underrated part of that list is the last name, Ryan Paling. Yeah, Ryan Paling is 100% scoring 30 goals this year. Right, like he's exactly, he's that guy. Like, no, but exactly, he's the guy who all of a sudden you're gonna watch his numbers take off because you know he's got it in him. This and you're gonna put him next not, to Sid or whatever because like, I don't know if speed. you're gonna put him next to Sid because of the fact that you're gonna no because you're gonna stick with the Gensel 
Crosby, right. Rust line probably. And then Malkin will be on the second with... But he might play with Malkin. He might play with Malkin. He could also... I mean, honestly, would it be the worst thing in the world if he was playing with Jeff Carter? No. Like, he could still score... I, no, but I think in the top six, he will be a problem. Well, in general, yeah. He will be a damaging player to play against. And well, and then we got to get to the last team because this is yep. not like this, the last team we got to get to is very much in the same boat as Columbus. Like, I don't know if they're going to make the playoffs, but they're better right now than they were at the end of last season. Yeah. And, and of the names you have listed here, Carolina's acquired five guys and four of them were in trade and one was in free agency. This is pretty the, darn. By the way, this is pretty darn close on New Jersey's side because three of these are trade. Well, right. But four of those players were acquired in two trades. So it was two trades and a signing. The most active team so far in this division has been the New Jersey Devils in terms of number of events. Sure. I, because I kind of, we work from, I don't want to say the bottom up, but close to. Cause Vitek Vanacek is going to be a phenomenal pickup for them. I think what he, well, here's what I think happens. I don't know that Vanacek, much like Mackenzie Blackwood, I don't know that they are elite level goalies by any stretch. I, I think, think the tandem's good enough to get you to the playoffs. Well, they're good, and I think by having them in tandem and kind of evening out the playing time... They'll both you're be better. Much, you're, yeah, exactly. You're going to make both of them better. And hopefully you can keep, at least in Blackwood's case for sure, and Vanacek a little bit, hopefully you keep them both healthy. Right. And I, I, in a vacuum, knowing what we know about their careers thus far, I think you're hoping Mackenzie Blackwood is your 1A heading into the playoffs. Or, you know, regardless, you just want one of these guys to establish themselves you know, as the guy if you're making you a, a run to the playoffs. You do. You know what, though? I don't know who's like, I don't know who's starting on opening night. If I had to guess today, I'd say Blackwood. But I was going to say, you probably default to the guy who's been there. Right, but I'm saying I don't know But listen, which one is going to get them. Like, I don't know which one's going to get. How about this? I don't know which one's going to make more starts this year. Okay, that's fair. Home opener in New Jersey, they're rolling out a brand new lineup. The rest of this list, I'm just going just to blow through it real quick. Andre Palat, Brendan Smith, Eric Howla, and John Marino. All four of those guys are going to be on your opening night roster. Now here, okay, now here's the thing with some of them. I want to kind of wipe out the two lower ones for me. Smith is is more is more than serviceable. Yeah, he's he's bottom pairing level guy though. We know this. Um, Halla is an interesting one because of the fact that. That trade happened because there was pretty much no future in New Jersey for Pavel Zaka. It was right. a straight-up one-for-one. That's both a hockey teams, trade. Both te- exactly. Both teams got exactly what they seemed like they were trying to give, give up anyway. Um, the Marino one is a big deal to me. I think that that's a really strong deal. Yeah. Especially for what they gave up to Pittsburgh, by the way. Ty Smith and uh, another pick, I believe, was all they gave up. I see, I do like Ty Smith, but I no, agree. No, I do, but I'm, I, I do. John Marino is an established player. Right. Ty Smith for John Marino with whatever pick you send over is what we said about getting Ryan Ellis for the, like when the Flyers did. It's like you go and, you know, all right, did you love giving up Phil Myers? No, you don't, but you got to give to get. Right. That is, that is how you leverage young assets for established players. Players who are going to help your roster right now. Sure, and then the John then, Marino trade is a great example of that. Exactly, and then the headliner, right? The headliner of the whole thing is they if, if they didn't get Johnny Gaudreau, like we all know, they kind of wanted to try to do. They sure did. They they, the they next, went hard. Then they got the next best thing, which was Andre Palat. <sighs> it's fair. 
You can't it, it argue. Played, and, and here's the thing. I know that Nazem Kadri has not signed yet as of recording this on Saturday. You know he's signing 20 minutes after this show gets recorded. Even if he does, it's it's no big deal. No. Because we'll I be back in two weeks to talk well, And here's about the thing. It. It's no big deal because I don't think anybody else in this division has anything left to go after that. Uh, you know. Stranger things, though, right? I'm looking at that blue and orange team in the bottom row there and. I don't know if they have the cap space with all the other guys, though. Like, Anders Lee makes a lot of money. A little will make it work. Yeah, we'll see. He'll make some con- um, contracts disappear in the Long point, Island. The point know. I'm making about Palat is that he was the next best winger. Like, beyond Gaudreau, it was Palat. That was Absolutely. the next best winger. So there you go. They, they went out and they did their part, too. Now, do we want to shift to the next part? Yeah, absolutely. Oh, by, oh, and by the way, put all that next to what, what the Flyers listed. Uh, yeah, which Pandora, is... and Justin Braun. Three guys who should all be rated about seventy nine overall on NHL twenty two. But the, like, but you see how every team out there—I mean, with the exception of the Islanders, maybe every team got somebody who's a little bit like on the same, either on the exact same. Like D'Angelo has been an All Star before. I don't want to just every throw, team throw picked up at least a good player. Sure, not an okay team. player, not a serviceable player, a good player. I would I would even venture so far as to say every team picked up a player of, that okay, and Carolina didn't in this respect, but they they're still good players that they picked up. But everybody else just about picked up a player that had something to do with the playoffs in some like a deep playoff run like Trocheck was playing for Carolina. Kemper won a Stanley Cup. Gaudreau was you know scored a series clinching goal ruda was on tampa bay palat was on tampa bay like everybody picked up somebody who went deep in the playoffs or seemingly went deep in the playoffs just real quick i'm gonna rattle off a couple of these names and you tell me if they would make the current flyers top six or top four better than it currently is that's all all. just better than it currently is okay andre palat absolutely okay john marino yes dylan strome Probably, Not a, uh, probably depends. Well, and it depends on who's. Well, you know what? Dylan Strom would in, would be the, would be your third at that point. Fair. But yeah, I Vin, get it. Vincent Trocheck. Yes. Brent Burns. That's probably. A, probably. Brent Burns I, is better than Rasmus Ristolainen. He's a better version of it. Right. Okay. Yeah. I'll, you can't. I like. I'm I not. Agree. You can't. Uh, Johnny Gaudreau. Obviously, we know the answer to that yes. one. Yes. Jeff Petrie. Yes. Okay. And like that's the name we barely talked about out of Pittsburgh. Like, I know. Can, 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 well, guess what? Can I inform you of something then? While you're over on that side of the graphic, anyway? yeah. You could have you could have said Jan Rude, and I would have told you yes. I know. I the Flyers are going to finish last in the division. Per, well, as judging by the graphic here, that's this is all eight teams in the Metro. Unless somebody melts down and loses both of their goalies and they're playing with their ECHL well, goalie by the end of the season, because that is always a possibility in the NHL. Right. If if somebody loses their best, like like okay, do, like New Jersey should be in in a position to contend for a playoff spot. Doesn't mean they're going to make it, but they should be in the running. Sure. You you know how they don't make the playoffs with all of this happening, right? They don't make the playoffs if you're hearing about Nico Heischer can't play because of blank and oh uh oh Jack Hughes is you know yep. dealing with something a little bit now too or Dougie Hamilton's out with something like if if they start hell even if Mackenzie people, Blackwood goes out right, you got to play Vitek Vanacek for three weeks like right, or a goalie it's it's it, it's the same thing like if you start to hear something about this guy's hurt that guy's hurt 
then yes, you're going to have problems. Well, sure, but that's the case with any team in the league. Like, right. no team can... Like, but, if we, but if we're playing the on-paper game here, every one of these teams is better than the Flyers on paper. Well, every right. Well, uh, I mean... The point where I, I, even say, I even went so far as to say, not only are they all past the Flyers, they probably have lapped the Flyers. Oh, yeah. And... No, and we can also play the what if game because if, you know, Sean Couturier and Ryan Ellis come back and are healthy, like apparently, allegedly they might be, whatever, then the Flyers are all of a sudden a much better team. And we talk about these guys sliding down in the lineup and all of a sudden the roster makes a lot more sense. Sure. But that comes back to, do we trust the Flyers to ice a competent roster? In, just in, in one form or another, whether it's through injury uh, management or whether it's through actually putting the best players on the ice, do you yeah, trust the know. Philadelphia Flyers to ice a playoff roster anytime soon? Anytime soon? I mean, depends on what what they decide to do going forward. Like, okay, I'll tell you what. The correct soon. answer is finish with about 14 points this year, fire Chuck and draft Connor Bedard. Well, and I know, right. I, I know. No, but that's that's why I hesitated with anytime soon because things do change if you do get Connor Bedard. Sure, like there's no doubt about it. Like it changes some, it it changes things. But you know, and listen, I don't want to make it seem like you can still get a really good player even if you don't pick first next year in a draft. Like if you pick third, it's going to probably be a player who would have could have gone first overall in any Man, other year. If you're but, not top two, though, if it's not. Bedard, well, or to a lesser extent, Mitchkov. Mm. Yeah, and obviously, see. there's still another year of Mitchkov yeah. to look at. But we all we'll kind of know Connor Bedard's the guy. But because Bedard, unlike anybody else, even this year when it was Shane Wright or whomever, you know, like Shane Wright fell to fourth. Why? Because he didn't play for that, two years. Well, it, yes, but that's I, I know. But like what I'm saying is that because it wasn't that clear cut. Like right, why well, right. This is so clear cut. This is as clear cut as it's been since McDavid. And I think we've already said that, but that's I, I it's, it's worth repeating. By that's the way, you can, you can make a real argument that the Seattle Kraken got better by drafting Shane Wright than the Flyers did oh. by any other move they made. Oh, Seattle with Shane Wright already locked up. Hope and that's potentially on the roster next year. And that's and then, nothing against Cutter Gauthier. No, who I do think could, you know could have all the tools to be a really good NHL player. That's He's certainly the better. They picked him fifth. <laughs> But, you can't afford to miss on right. a pick like this no, when you you're can. as bad as right. you are. But, but Shane Wright with Matty Veneers with, you know, you name it with the rest of these guys. Like, I can't wait for Dave Haxton to healthy scratch both of them for a game in November. I can't wait. It's going to be great. I can't, I can't wait for them to have all those players be a little bit more of an exciting watch and then remember that they have Martin Jones in goal. Oh, God. You know what? Well, well, th well th that's not the only guy they have. We should we should be clear. Martin Jones is like he's going to back up again because they do still have Grubauer. Uh, right, and and Philip Grubauer is a solid goalie. So. And Grubauer probably, of course, he is because Grubauer probably won them a few games last year. Absolutely. No All right, can we get into a, to kind of start to put the finishing touches on this? Can Please. We get to a uh, couple of other teams that I think I think had really good days. Pulling back the curtain a little bit, we are recording this on Saturday night. A little bit of a weird time slot for us, but right. um, we're very tired. Well, here's the thing, okay? I know Buffalo doesn't have anything significant on this list. What I'm trying to do is just give a comparison. Like that's a team that held, like that held their course. Kind of, not, I don't say kind of like the Flyers did, but like it wasn't impactful. But look at what they've done. Like 
th- th- I don't want to just I don't want to say that for sure and certain that Buffalo is going to be able to put certain guys on their roster immediately, but they drafted really well in this draft. Buffalo has a really good little prospect pool right now. And yep, and that's that's the more interesting part for me is that Buffalo has committed to the we're drafting a lot of players kind of thing. Buffalo did the tear it all the way down. When, well, when they and like, I'm talking almost ten years ago at this point to try to draft Connor McDavid. And and think about it for a second, okay? We one of the things I feel like we've talked about, like, and I don't want to like obviously listen. Sean Couturier on the Flyers can be a star level player if he puts like if he's healthy and everything's going the way it should, right? But I don't know that the Flyers have a star this year because of the fact that you have. I don't too think many the Flyers questions. have a superstar. Well, but because I don't think I don't even know if they have just a star in terms of. Like, I think Joel Farabee can be that player, yeah, but I he, certainly understand. Well, and but see this, and this is where I'm going because he's not starting the year, and if Couturier is not what he's expected to be because of his injury issues and all that stuff, I don't like. Like, do you realize that without Joel Farabee, your top line left winger is probably James Andrews? Like, so anyway, let's talk about these Atlantic Division teams because I'm depressed. So, um, so can I? I want to go back to Buffalo for a second. Yeah, there's please. A couple guys. Is Tate Thompson really emerged last year? And 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 I think that that's a big deal. They re-signed uh, Victor Olofsson, by the way. Yeah, another good player. Big uh, little sign for them. I am very interested to see Peyton Krebs next yeah. year. Yeah. Like, boy, do I like the way he plays. And we're talking training wheels off Peyton Krebs. Right. I want to see the next step of Peyton Krebs. I want to see him start flipping up Michigan goals. Yeah. So, okay. So let's not bury the lead here because there's a name on the left side here that's pretty, you know, and by the way, uh, the, what was this, I guess? So Thursday, the day of the first round of the NHL draft was the day that the first, okay, that the very top name on the list on the left side was acquired by the Ottawa Senators, Alex Brink. I would just like to point out that the Ottawa Senators fired Pierre Maguire and immediately started making fantastic moves. <laughs> You're not wrong. Acquire Alex DeBrincat. Okay, so first of all, by the way, so they massive they, trade. They get DeBrincat, and I even put out there because someone said, "Is it enough to you know entice another person to come to Ottawa?" And I even said, "I don't think we're done hearing from the Ottawa Senators this off season." <laughs> to be fair, I also don't think he needed that much enticing. Oh, I don't. I believe he didn't need that much enticing, but just as but, evidenced by the number. But but do you think now, like when you go back and look, because they they were also very active in re-signing their own core. Like Josh Norris got a new deal. That's that's huge for them to know what he's getting paid for the next. I think it was an eight-year deal, right? For the next eight years. I believe so. Yeah. Well, like to know what you're paying him for the next eight years, knowing he's a key part of your core. We are. I already mentioned about you know before Brady Kachuk and. Tim Stutzla and all the others that they got. I mean, Thomas Shabbat's been around for a much longer period of time, but all those guys are involved in this, right? And then you go out and, by the way, you acquire a goaltender who you think is going to help in in regard with Cam Talbot. Cam Talbot was very very solid for the Minnesota Wild. Yes, I, I know I know we have a little bit of a sour view on him here in Philly because he was here for six months, played twice, and sucked. <laughs> well, but he has been excellent for the Minnesota Wild, and I'm willing to year, give him a little bit of a pass. There. Yes, yep. he's had good years, and then and then came the most obvious one of all when it was because. But here's here's where I'm going with this. Before DeBrinket, and before you kind of saw like the core was the young core was the young core, and it's still very young. Don't get me wrong. When you bring in DeBrinket, that's a big statement. 
for where you think you're going. And yes. at that point in time, I kind of – this is why I felt the way that I did. I'm like, something's going to happen here because of the fact that now they just need the veteran guidance. Right. And, and then they got it. Big time. Here comes Claude Giroux. So remember – okay. Remember how earlier in the show – we talked about the Philadelphia Flyers doing step A, B, C, D, E, F to get Johnny Gaudreau and then failing on step Z by not trading the JVR contract and making the necessary room. Okay. Okay. Is it, is this, is how, the, uh... this is how you treat a player who wants to come home and play for you. Yeah, they, they worked have, around. They worked around all the other stuff and made sure that they had the room to do whatever else they wanted to do, right? Now, I don't know. If three, four years ago when the Ottawa Senators traded Eric Carlson, I don't know if they had Claude Giroux in mind that far back. Right. For example, by the way, I do think that the Kevin Hayes trade was laying the first bricks in the road for Johnny Gaudreau. Anyway, <laughs> I don't know if trading Eric Carlson away was a move with Claude Giroux in mind. But it certainly seems like since they figured out that they were going to blow it all up and try to kind of put something back together here, it seems like they've planned for this offseason. Yeah, oh, they definitely did. Because we have seen big, impactful, high-level moves out yeah. of them. They're going to be a really good team. Like uh, not, They're not going to be okay. They're going to challenge for a division spot in the Atlantic. Th th this team feels like a playoff team now. I agree. I don't know... If the Metro gets a wild card spot this year. And that's why it's so uncertain. And we talked okay. about it a little bit with the last slide on the screen. Yeah. It's impossible because the entire East has just gotten so incredibly better. Yeah. The, the ones we have on our screen right now are the Ottawa Senators, the Detroit Red Wings, and the Buffalo Sabres. The three bottom teams in the division last year. And we're sitting here talking about the Ottawa Senators like they were showing for the playoffs. Now, maybe they are, maybe they're not. Obviously, there's a whole lot of season well, left to be played. And, and here's the thing. This is why I did what I did, and that's why I threw Buffalo in. Because right. what I really wanted to do more than anything was go, listen, I don't need to sit here. The only other team that was lower than this was Montreal. And Montreal is going to come in with the with the first overall pick, who we assume is going to play from day one. Probably. So we, we assume Uri Slavkovsky is going to play. And then did like they did other stuff, though, too. Like Kirby Doc. Yep. Like... They're out there going. They're out there doing what they need to do and trying to figure out a way to get themselves as, a, a little bit better. I'm not saying like, did they make some trades? Yes, they did. But they also like positioned themselves to bring some people in to try some new things. Every single team in the bottom half of the Atlantic got better. Now the Buffalo Sabers probably didn't get better enough to you know make a real ripple or no, anything and, like that. No, and, and well, and here and can I say something else about some of the other teams in the Atlantic at least? Like okay. Tampa Bay. For the most part, I mean, Palat's a big loss, but Tampa Bay went signing crazy right. with let's keep our guys. So, Sorelli, Sergachev, I believe, what was the other one? Chernak got a big deal, too, yes. I believe, right? And, yes. and, and All as three much, of them, I think, got eight years. Right. And as much as it hurts that you're going to lose an Andre Palat, you've got other players. You yep. know, like, you've got a lot of other players. Yep. So, you have that ability to, to do that. Like, do you know who I think really suffered an awful lot on free agency day that was certain you know certainly had a lot more going for them at the time at the, like at the end of the season florida yes like florida had a, a rough let's day. put it this way two names are on this are on the screen right now yep were acquired by florida no less 
Yep, both of them were trade deadlines, and you know they were both veteran rentals. So I don't necessarily think they're a hundred percent shocked to see these names on the free agency list. But no, not at all. There but... was talk that they were making moves to keep Claude, and I don't know if there was any moves on Ben Sherratt. But you know, right. I I'm sure they had a conversation with him at least. Sure. So, uh, but, but now but, I, like I do think that for sure Ottawa has entered that discussion. That right, and I think Ottawa made probably the best quantity or the best quality of moves. They added Alex to bring Cat a bona fide yeah, what, forty what goal scorer. If you, what happens if you have if you have quality and quantity like the Detroit Red Wings? Well, we're getting to that, right? But the Ottawa Senators add a forty goal scorer in Alex to bring Cat, a guy who has crossed the hundred point barrier and been nominated for the Hart and Claude Giroux, Cam mm-hmm. Talbot, who he was nominated for the Vesna a couple years ago, correct? He might have been in, Ed, yeah, is, in Edmonton. He played an awful lot in Edmonton. I don't know if he ever that, got no that far. one season that he was like nine thirty seven or something ridiculous. He was unreal that one year. Yeah, he was. But the Detroit Red Wings probably did the most to improve their team overall. If that makes sense, like I think the Ottawa Senators were uh, picking and choosing and filling in spots and making the kind of moves that are going to elevate them to the next level. Right. You know. You know what this was for the Detroit Red Wings. This was. Steve we don't Eisenman. want to suck anymore. Well, no, this was Steve Eiserman looking at last year and going, all right, Morris Sider is the Calder Trophy winner. Lucas Raymond was right up there with him. Okay, like, and and then there's more. Like, they, it's, it's time not, to start like, surrounding these boys well, with it's, some, it's, some talent. It's not like it's not like Dylan Larkin's gotten worse. He's still a very good player, right? And you've got a like you've got a young group in here, and it's like, all right, let's support this thing, right? Yep, and. Where did where does it all start? You start by getting a goaltender way before free agency hits. You trade yep. for Billy Huso, and you get a goaltender who's going to probably again. This, I think this is another one of your New Jersey like tandems here. Where so I feel like and, tandems and, are a theme of the show today. Huso and Nedeljkovic are going to be that's a, that's a, a hell really of a tandem, good man. Tandem. And, <sighs> and then Nadel- I, I think Nedeljkovic has the talent to be a 55, 60 game starter. But I think if you can platoon him with a guy like Huso. I think you're incredibly happy. And I, like, here's something that I think seriously about about what the Red Wings did here from a forward perspective. You know, like defensively, defensively and at forward, they didn't exactly like they didn't go out adding a star, but they added a lot of good players. Dominic Kubalik is a super solid player. Oli Mata is a solid player. David Perron is David a, Perron a good is an all star by the way. Right. So you've got something there. Cop had a great last half of the season. I was saving Andrew Cop because I think Andrew Cop is the star of that bunch out of the Detroit. Really, I, I see. I I gravitated a little bit more towards Perron because I think the Perron can can score. Yeah, but the problem is, I I agree with you. I mm-hmm. I absolutely agree that David Perron is absolutely going to make the Detroit Red Wings better this year. Mm-hmm. Andrew Cop's going to make them better for the whole contract. Okay, that's fair. Andrew Cop is, as far as I'm concerned, he's part of that core. Like he's right yeah. in there with your. Dylan Larkins. Like, I think he hitches right in and is part of that group immediately because yeah, you signed fair. him to a um, core player kind of contract. And then um, what more can you say about Ben Sherratt being part of this group, too? Like, Sherratt's a great – like, I feel like Sherratt goes – probably falls in line right next to Cider, doesn't he? he? Might, if he can keep up with Cider, well, he you plays might, with Cider. I, do you even worry about if he can keep up or do you just say, hang back in case something happens, play defense, bud? I worry about I worry about Cider just being so much better than him everywhere that I th- I worry about it. I worry about him maybe trying to do too much. 
Possibly. I mean, and, but either way, I, very talented defenseman Ben Sherrod is. He'll slot in somewhere in their top four, and he's going to be a massive contributor. Well, I'm trying, like, I'm trying to look at some of the others that are on the on the roster too, just to try to see if there's anybody else who would jump in there. Yeah, you know, because. You know, I think like Sherratt seems like the most natural guy to go in there, you know, because he would play the left side, the sider's right. Okay. In that sense, um, I think that you're looking at a probably a Mata Chronic second pairing there. Okay. Potentially. And then, I mean, you still have a, a bunch of bottom guys. Like, I don't even, I, I put Mark Pissick on there, and I don't even know if he's in the top six. That's fair. Uh, you also have to look at Ali Uolivi. He's going to be up there, too. Yeah, eventually, whenever it happens, right? Maybe this year. Yeah, I get, oh, I get t- they've got a, they've got, they, They're another one. His time's coming. Stockpiled, right? Yep. Stockpiled the, the, the draft picks and all that type of stuff. because They tore it all the way down, too. Well, because it's, it's, not like, it's not like it's an offense that's nothing more than, oh, well, Cider's really good on the back end. They've got Lucas Raymond, and that's the end of story, right? Like, you know, they ha- like I mentioned Larkin already. They've got Tyler Bertuzzi who puts up a lot of points when he's able to play. Yeah. And, you know, I wow. mean, and where yeah, he's able to play. That's what I mean. Yeah. Um, I thought when they got Jacob Vrana, that was a little underrated when they got him. Like, I agree. Guy who can score. I think Kubalik falls right in line with that. You got cop now. You got Perron now. Like, this is the kind of. And, and I didn't even mention Philip Zadina. This is the kind of team. That if everyone hits their groove and everyone kind of, you know, has a career year all at the same time, Detroit can be a problem. And I'm not talking about, oh, they squeak into the playoffs. I'm talking about a real problem in that division. Like if if everyone gels the right way, if everyone kind of breaks out all at the same time, and by the way, it turns out Steve Eiserman's good at building rosters that can do that. They're going to be a real problem, fast, quick, and in a hurry. And you know know what the thing is? Is that it's like Steve Eiserman's doing it again, right? Like The Eiser plan is strong. I hear you. Exactly. But do you see what happens? I I love that you just said that. See what happens when you go in with a plan? Yep. A real plan, not I hope everything works out. He's the Eiser man with the Eiser plan. It it still blows my mind that these four like that these '90s legends are this good. Like Sackick and Iserman being as good as they are is not fair. What about and what and what about Chris Drury too? Like yeah. Drury's part of that group. Uh, we're hoping that that talent continued into the 2010s and Danny Breer got some of it. <laughs> Maybe I mean. It's it's just it's 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 pretty insane, is it not? Yeah. You know, like it's no, it's it's actually ridiculous. Um, were there any other moves from around the league that you wanted to talk about, or? Um, I don't know. Honestly, I feel like not a whole lot happened in the West. Like we talked about the Atlantic, we talked about the Metro. I feel like that's where most of the talent. It feels like moved east. You know, we talked about Oscar Lindblom signing in San Jose. Yeah, we did. Um, I'm trying. I'm actually trying to go and see if I can't look up a couple others just to see if there's any good ones. The Ducks didn't I- qualify anybody. Sonny Milano hit the market for some reason. Yeah, that was an interesting one. I, I mean, I'm trying. To I don't scroll- get it. I'm trying to scroll through a couple of things here because it, it, it's it's as it typically does. It slows down after the first day or so. Sure. Um, and there are to- still some notable names on the market. You know, we talked about Nazem Kadri a little bit earlier. He is still out there. Yeah, exactly. Like, and and he's taking his time now. 
Right. There's some. Uh, we, you know who? You know who else is still? I believe is still out there. Isn't John Klingberg still out there too? Uh, I believe so. I'll take a look here. But I don't. Uh, I, I I thought there was some stuff that was happening, but I don't know that he actually signed anywhere. Right. Um, okay, this one wasn't bad. Uh, Anaheim got Ryan Strom. That's a good one. Okay, fair enough. I, I didn't think that was a bad pickup for them. Uh, By the way, I really wish a team had picked up all three, all three Strom brothers. They were all available this summer. I know. I know Matthew's not worth a whole lot because Dylan and Ryan are kind of the, the top of the, the class there. But come on. You could have done all three Strom brothers. That's pretty I cool. Know, right? I know. Um, let me see if there's any other good ones on here. Uh, the- uh, Patrick Laine still hasn't signed his deal, but we've heard yeah, good but things we, about we, that. We that looks like it's like coming. It's a given. He's going to stay in Columbus and sign I, like they Matt- want him to. Matthew um, Kachuk, it's a similar situation in Calgary. He's probably going to sign there. I got to imagine so. Um, negotiations with the Kachuks are always tough, going back to Keith. Nick, Nick Cousins in Florida. There you go. Oh, yeah, sure. <laughs> no, I'm just uh, kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm, 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 keep, I'm still Pierre-Luc going Pierre-Luc Dubois is a free agent, an RFA. An uh, RFA. He is apparently I, I, unhappy I in Winnipeg. Will, yeah, but I think some of, some of these, I think, will work themselves out. Um, oh, here's a, this is a good one. Um Seattle, Andre Burakovsky. Okay, that was a good deal. Yeah, that was a good little pickup. Absolutely. Um, yeah, so I, that was a good. That was a good one. Um, Victor, uh, honestly, Toronto picked up a couple decent little names here. They got Jordy Ben, who's whatever. Victor Mete, solid. Um, Tampa kind of uh, replaced the Jan Ruda with Ian Cole. That that's, okay. you know, to an extent. I mean that that contract was signed way before uh, Ruda went to Pittsburgh, I believe, right. but. Um, trying to see if there was any, any other good ones. I did see. Um, oh, I do want to get into a couple of moves that were made by Chicago. You know, being a team that can't really do a whole lot. Oh, by the way, Man, Vitr- talking Vitr- about teams that are slashing and burning and cutting it all by the down. Way, by the way, Vitrano also went to Anaheim, so that's kind of an interesting. Yeah, that is interesting. Like, now you got Vitrano and Strom. Frank Vitrano is a decent little player too. You know, who both played for the Rangers last year, and you're going to throw him with who knows? Like you're going to throw him in a group where Zegers is and all that stuff, like. They got some forwards. You got you can't deny that. Could be fun. Um, oh, this was an interesting one too. Um, Tampa Bay getting Vlad Nemestnikov back. That was an interesting one. Uh, what about this one? Um, Vancouver signing Ilya Mikheyev for four years. Yeah, that was a big deal. Uh, best best name in hockey. Greg McKegg signed a two year contract with the Edmonton Oilers. Yeah, I, see, I do see that one. Okay, so these Chicago for what they're doing, and you're right, they, they're totally dismantling the whole thing. But these. Like this is this this is the type of stuff that the Flyers should have been doing when they didn't get Gaudreau. Yep. Andreas Athanasiu and Max Domi each get one year, three million dollars. Beautiful like, deals. Like now, now what can you do with those deals? You when can not extend good? them if they're good. You or, can or trade them if they're really good. Yeah, exactly. Well, you can trade you can trade them even if they're just good because of That's the fact fair. that you can also sit there and go, hey, you know, hey, playoff team, you want Max Domi, you want Athanasiu. Great. We'll eat half the salary. Give us a high draft pick. Give us a first or a second. Yep. Or something like that, right? If we, if we route it through another team, you can get that number under a million. Right. Um, trying to see if there's any other. Oh, do, do we want to bring up Nick Ave Kubel going to Toronto? <laughs> well, he doesn't have to worry about dropping the cup there. That's true. Um, by the way, St. Louis. I want to bring up St. Louis for a second because St. Louis didn't really bring anybody new in, but they sure took care of their own. Except for David Perron. Well, except for Perron, but Nick Letty, he was you heard about that, right? He was pretty jaded. Yeah, I did hear stuff about that, but he signed back with them three times. Yeah. It's like the JVR thing, but like more. <laughs> it is and a little bit. 
Um, they didn't offer him a contract, and he was not very happy. Yeah, I believe that. Um, Nick Letty did resign, though, and I, I think I think the deal for Robert Thomas was a pretty good one. That that deal was smooth. Yeah, I like that one. By the way, uh, to, and Thomas Grice there too is not bad to put no. behind Bennington if you get the most. Oh, Toronto getting Ilya Samsonov is a pretty significant deal. That was a good one. Yes, and uh, also the goalie they acquired uh, via trade. Matt Murray from these Ottawa Senators. Sure, absolutely. Well, and, We and, haven't talked about that on this show. No, Two-time Stanley Cup champion, Matt Murray. Well, and, and here's the thing. Why did they have to acquire a goaltender at all? Because the, Jack Campbell signed in Edmonton. Right. That's going to be an interesting one. Too. That domino effect is crazy. Jack Campbell signed in Edmonton, so they had to get Matt Murray. So the Senators had to get Cam Talbot. It's, it's a whole thing. By the, by the way, um, okay, maybe Jack Campbell actually, I guess, technically was first maybe on this list. But... Claude Giroux signed with Ottawa at like twelve oh one. Yep. Like it, it was pretty much already a done deal. Definitely no tampering there. I, I know, right? Well, Jack Campbell was about the same time, according to this, because they have Jack Campbell on the TSN tracker first. Right. Then Giroux. So interesting stuff. But but do you notice what we just did? Like, okay, so Colorado didn't really. By the way, Colorado had a perfectly fine first day of free agency because. They brought back Arturi Lekkinen and Josh Manson. Like, okay, you took two of your really, really, really good trade deadline acquisitions and found a way to keep them, especially Manson, because everybody thought that Manson was going back to Anaheim. Yeah, and everybody, myself included. And you got him to stay. That was That's great. Man, they're, Joe Sackick is too good at his job. I hear you. Like, um, but like, even though like even those teams like, you don't need to see, like you don't need to see Colorado and Tampa and some of these other ones that were you know in there like, like they're doing what they had to do right like they're doing what they think is the last step like like Edmonton did Edmonton do anything other than make sure they got a goalie, no, because that's they all knew, they needed to do because that's what they needed to do right yep. like. Isn't it nice to do what you're supposed to do? Like, hey, I, we know that this is a weakness. Let's go out and get that. Right. And Colorado said, hey, we know this works. Let's keep everybody. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and Tampa Bay said, we know this works. Let's keep everybody. Yeah, I mean, pretty much. I mean, so this Colorado is I have lost, an open, Colorado I have, because Colorado lost Burkowski and they lost. Uh, and they're losing Kadri. Probably going to lose Kadri. Right. And then I, I feel like there was one more that I'm missing. Yeah, but they get healthy Sam Gerrard back next year, so it's, like, not even fair. Oh, no, no, no. There isn't one that I'm missing. They kept Nachushkin, too, because they got that done before. Yep. I and mean, that's what I'm thinking of. So th- th- you're doing your part. You you kind of had to pick and choose. I, I, I think that they, I, I agree with what they did, by the way, because if you choose, if you were going to choose Nachushkin, you knew Burakovsky was gone. Right. Like, it just felt like that was the natural thing. And, you know, Kadri's gonna, Kadri was going to be tough because he was going to demand a raise. Like, you yeah, know and he absolutely raise. deserves that and after the season he Probably priced had. you out in Colorado. Which see, there's a difference between being priced out in Colorado when you already spend a lot of money on a lot of other good players, right? Hey, so speaking of spending money on good players, Nathan McKinnon is entering the last year of a oh. contract that pays him six point three million dollars. There is a zero percent chance he's not in Colorado. I understand. Saturday, July sixteenth. 2022 
Yeah. Or sooner, potentially. I think it might be a little sooner. Yeah, but I get your point. I'm asking you to make a prediction today. Sure. I, oh, you're saying for today. Okay, I got you. Does Nathan McKinnon's next contract, is it over $12 million a year? Ooh, 12? That might be a tough one. It's definitely over 10. It's probably over 10 and a half. It's probably over 11. I think 11 is where you start if you're Nathan, if you're the uh, Colorado Avalanche. Because I think think Nate's coming in at 13 or 14, because why wouldn't you? I'm not saying he gets it, but he... Boy, he, he should be coming oh, in with he's it. He's going to get paid. And and here's the thing. You've just got to determine by that point you're what? One more offseason away right. from the, I, from do the Do you raid? sign him now? Do you have to? What happens if they go win the cup again? <laughs> I don't know. Does he sign for anything other than max? You, okay. And then you I just know, work out term? Hold on. Do you want to know what I think could potentially happen here? And I'm being dead serious when I say this. We all want to put that. Like, is he worth is he worth the price tag? Absolutely he is, right? I wonder if he doesn't take a little bit of a discount knowing what they have to do to be the team that they are. Like, like this this is the guy who comes in, like you're sitting here thinking, oh, this guy should ask for 12, 13, 14, whatever, because he's that good. He's, this is the guy who comes in at 10 and a half, 11, because he knows that that's what it needs to be for them to still be good. I think if you're still asking... Cup starved Nathan McKinnon. I think that's the answer you get. Maybe, but but if well, I what if they go win? Then I think you want to keep winning, and you might try to figure out a way to keep the band together. I think you look at it and go, man, I'm 27 years old. I get to sign my big fat eight year cash out contract. Pay me. (laughs) Yeah, you know know. how players are. They know that there is a finite amount of sunlight. Sunlight. Sure, but we'll see. I mean, we'll see. It's that's that's a conversation for another time. I do. I do think he's going to make a lot of like he's going to make a lot of money. I just wonder. I just wonder where his head's because he does seem like that kind of guy. Like, like, right. I agree. Well, because here's like, okay, and I understand it was signed much longer ago. But like, hear me out here. okay? Why are the Pittsburgh Penguins running it back one more time? Mostly with the same core group, right? Because they're paying said eight (laughs) point seven. That's a good place to start, don't you think? But they're like, he signed that contract. What? I'm trying to go back and look it up. It's still got three years left. Nine, ten? No, it's got to be. I thought it was. They were. It was one of those stupid billion-year oh, yeah, illegal contracts. 12, yeah, that's right. They they did away with these. So it was a twelve-year deal at the time. Yep. Okay. That's what you. I'm. That's what I'm saying. This contract is stupid. Now, but when he signed it. He was making more, relatively speaking, than Connor McDavid makes in comparison well, right. to the cap when he signed it. Well, because it's not, yeah, because he signed it in 2011, 2012, I believe. Exactly. So, like, yeah, I get you. But, like, okay, so, by the way, with Pittsburgh, I want to bring something up that ties to the Flyers really quick. And this is where we can kind of get out of here on because it's, yeah. it's, one, it's one more little jab before we get out of here. Right? Uh, yeah, we, we, we like that. Okay, so you just mentioned, you know what Sidney Crosby makes, so you just mentioned it. Okay. The stupid contract number thing. Yeah, I get it. Uh, well,. <laughs> Yeah, but that one actually makes a little bit of sense. Cause it's I, not know, like a, I know, I know. Sense, like. Well, sure, but if six point five made sense, he would have ended it in six point five eight seven. Yeah, it's true. Um, it's I, by the way, I think it's really funny that you stopped at six point five and stopped yourself short at six point six. Because nobody touches that number either. He should just sign for. Uh, man, I really wish Miroslav Shatan had signed for six point six six six. Come on. <laughs> That's good. Um, all right, so you just mentioned what Crosby makes, and we've already touched on 
two others because their contracts are recent. Malkin and Latang making six point one apiece. Okay. I just want to ask you a question, and I'll see if you know the answer. And I've counted this out, so it's not like it's I, don't, I already know the answer. Okay. How many players on the Pittsburgh Penguins are making five million dollars or more? Well, we got those three. Okay. I try not to think about the Penguins, so I don't actually know this answer. Um, oh well, hold on a minute. And the answer, okay, caveat. Well, never mind. I'll, I'll ask. Okay. Just go ahead, and then I'll, um, I'll get into it. I'd be willing to bet that Jeff Carter's probably making more than five. Jeff Carter is making three point one two five million. Yes. Okay. Uh, I'm willing to bet Brian Rust is making five. Brian Rust is making five point one two five. Uh, probably Jake Gensel as well. Jake Gensel is making six. I'm willing to bet that's probably the end of the list. Okay. Um, so, Unless there's so, some so, cap dump I'm forgetting about here. All right. So here you go. So you um, so you said Crosby, Malkin, Gensel, Rust, Latay. and Latay. Yeah. Okay. So you have it at five. Yeah. There are – hold on a minute here. I want to make sure I get my math right here. There are two more forwards okay, and, and, one, and one more defenseman. Oh, wow. So eight members of that roster are making – wow. Well, and I'll, I'll, give you the, I'll give you who they are so we can wrap up. Yeah, yeah. But, um, well, for one, Jason Zucker's making 5.5. I forgot. Okay. I always forget he's there. Okay. And in fairness, one, one of the forwards is recent. Ricard okay. Raquel is now making oh, five million dollars. Totally forgot Ricard Raquel signed there. Holy crap! Okay, that's and, a and, great and, signing. Holy sure. crap! And and again, caveat on the other defenseman because they just got him. Jeff Petrie makes six point two five. I'm not even he's counting a, that one because I hadn't seen at, that contract. No, but yet. now 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 it's still the case nonetheless. Okay. Yeah. So all right, how many players on the Flyers? make more than $5 million. Sean Couturier, Kevin Hayes, Travis Konechny, Ivan Provorov, uh, James Van Riemsdyk. Um, that's five off the top of my head here. Now i got to actually think. Rasmus Ristolainen, 77. Uh, Ryan Ellis. Uh, Sanheim. Sanheim's under five, isn't he? 4.6 or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm trying to think if there's any other forwards. I feel right, like I'm missing you, somebody. Well, let me let me do this again. Let's just try to let me recap for a minute. Yeah, you said Provorov, you said Risto, you said Deanna Ellis, and you said Ellis. Okay. Yeah. All right. And then you said Couturier. I know you got Couturier. You I got Hayes. Hayes, Van Riemsdyk, and Connect me. You said connect right? me. Yeah. Okay. Are there any others that come to mind? Somehow, I still think Michael Roffel's making $5 million somewhere, but I know he's not. Um, it just feels like it. The funny – okay, so do you want to know the funny part? I'm gonna, by the, first of all, by the way, do you know how many that is so far that you've – That made? is eight, I believe, the same number. Sure. Okay. Yeah. That's not all of them, obviously. Right. Because my point of doing this is that there's more. It, right. The funny part is, is that you've meant – like. I just want to. I'm going to run down the list again that you gave because I want you to figure out what all of them have in common. Oh God! To an extent, okay. How many of these deals did Chuck Fletcher sign? No, that's not what it is. But ready? Because it's a lot of them. Hayes, Van Riemsdyk, Konechny. Oh, Prover- I, I miss Cam Atkinson. Okay, so throw okay. that in there. Sorry. 
Okay. I, I yeah, you got Cam Atkinson on it, but I'm I'm going with the yeah. Eight sorry, first. sorry. No, but I'm going with the eight first. Hayes, Van Riemsdyk, Konechny, Provorov, Ristolainen, D'Angelo, Ellis, and you said Couturier. So Couturier, maybe I don't think you feel this way, but what are the other seven failing to live, to ex- live up to expectations? Is that what you're talking about? No, but but guys that you're not like sitting here going, oh yeah, he's like like you you had there's a there's like you might ha- you might be able to say they're good, but there's a but. I think what you're asking is, would you rather pay Sidney Crosby, Jake Gensel, and Chris Letang, or no, no, what I'm saying is that, like, for example, okay, so you just brought up Cam Atkinson. We we already said earlier in the show, good player, likable right. guy. You know, as a, oh, by the way, we never said the thing about the Columbus. Oh thing, yeah, that he took a picture with Johnny Gaudreau because both of them wore 13. Yeah, there was a, there was a little passing of the torch moment. It was it, it's pretty funny, yeah. I like to say it. I know that you called it a little bit of a shot, and I get that it is. It's a little bit of a jab. You know, but you I want, don't you, think Cam Atkinson is capable of a jab, so I can you, only you, take it as a nice, wholesome gesture. It's not a secret that they're friends. Right. I get it. But here's the thing: if Johnny tweets that, then I think you get it. Like, oh yeah, Cam Atkinson's in Columbus because he lives there in the off season. That's fine. Yeah, and if he tweets it, it's like, look, I'm so excited to have my jersey, and here's this is my bud's number, who I played college. Oh, you think college you think Cam tweeting it out is a little bit of a knowing how of a like, shot? like it's. I'm not going to sit here and say that Cam Atkinson spending every waking moment on Twitter or something like. Like he doesn't I think strike that, me as that type. He seems pretty well rounded. I, I think that he's look. He's got better things to do. He's like first of all, he's got that um that battery hockey thing that he helps run. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. In Columbus, and then he's got. Two kids with one more on the way. Like right. I think he's got better things to do in the off season than worry about what's going on on Twitter and what and what people are saying about the well, team. And what's going made. on with the Columbus Blue Jackets? Like they're not even his team anymore. Well, no, or no, but we're worried right. about what Flyers fans are saying online. Like I'm sure, he, like you, do you really think he sits there and checks his mentions when people sit there and go, "The team you're on sucks." By the way, nope, whatever, he's right? counting his millions. <laughs> yeah, but he doesn't even. He's not. He, well, he's the third highest paid forward, but he's probably the. Because he's behind, he's behind Couturier and Ellis too. He's probably the fifth highest player on the roster. Okay, like it's Fair not enough. that bad. Uh, by the way, there's one more that you forgot to mention. Who you really like, by the way? Oh, is Joe making that money? It, that's the new contract. I forgot $5 that million. contract was kicking. It is, in. I mean, it is five million dollars on the button, but it is five million dollars. Right. So there you go. But that's what I'm saying. Like when you sign big tickets with big term, you get stuck. Yeah. And you can end up with big tickets and big term, and you could end up with Rasmus Ristolainen on your team for well, five more I'm years. You could end up with that, and it's and it's Crosby and Malkin and Latang and Gensel and like and guys you want to build around because you know they're good and they've won for you. And you or, couldn't trade a first round pick to get rid of one of the bad contracts you already have, right? Potentially. <sighs> That's how we're going to leave you this week, I guess. Yeah, I'm. I'm really sorry. We're not going to leave you on some happy, pleasant note. But I, I'll be no, honest. It I'll wasn't be, meant to be a happy, pleasant show. I'll be honest. This is as down as I've ever been on the Philadelphia Flyers. So I think I started to say this, and I don't know if I finished the point. A thing that gets like a term that gets thrown out a lot, and I think it's been asked a lot in the last two years. Is that like that? Is this rock bottom for the Flyers, right? This is. I think this is it. Do you know why it is or why it feels like it is more than ever? 
because you can't do it. You're stuck. You you have no flexibility. You have no this. You have no that. Your contracts are locked in. You're not okay. There's you're nothing. Not, you're not wrong. And Chuck's this, still the guy in charge. You're still not wrong, but that's that's not the reason for for me. Do you know what the reason is for me? This is about as united as I've seen the fan base in the last two years. Yeah, like we there, we've sat here and argued is nine to nothing, rock bottom. Yep. And and in th- like in theory, it's not because that team was going to play another game. Right. There's always something more to come. In this particular moment, in this offseason, and I said this on the air on 97.3 the day after in reflection, right? This is, not only is it as united as the fan base has been, but this felt like an eye-opening day for people where it's like, they literally do not have a clue. Yep. We've, you're, watching, you're watching Buffalo, Rutherless. Chicago, Arizona, Make better decisions. Like, like I get, I think I cited in the article. Chicago is quite literally blowing it up. They're trading away all their NHL talent, pretty much. They're bringing in a couple players to fill it out, but like, they traded away everybody, just about. And then Buffalo's been in a decade-long rebuild, trying to get out of it anyway, and at least seems like they know what they are. And Arizona is the worst organization from a business standpoint in the league because they're going to play next year in a college arena with holds yeah, 5,000 people. But at least they have 7,000 draft picks. But it, at least their hockey operations department has an idea of what they are and what they should try to do. Right. That's the uh, difference. With some missteps along the way. But they're working They've made on missteps, it. but I think they've made missteps because people aren't stupid. They're, they're one of the least funded teams from a business standpoint. They kind of have no choice. They've made some faux pas. Mitchell Miller pick... Bad pick. Well, yeah, that. From the, a, well, you're talking about optics, That's lo- right? Losing the draft picks because you were working out prospects early. Bad thing, but they, that was all under old management, and they, they've been doing a really good job of uh, managing their assets since sure. John Chaka's left. But that's what I'm saying. Like everybody, there's else a real chance we see some empty buildings this year. I'm already preparing for it. I mean, like, who's going to show up to watch this team? Especially well, and here's the thing that, that that's not true because opening night will still be the same way, and all this, because you know what? More than anything, what people are going to want to see and what people will buy into early is what is Tortorella doing to the team? How does that impact what's going to happen? And we'll see where it goes from there. I don't think it's going to last very long, I don't think it's going to change much, and I think that once it gets down to it, because I can't picture them winning a lot because of the fact that they don't have a lot. Not don't have a lot, but like look at what everybody else did. All these other teams that they're going to play three or four times a year are better, and it's not yeah. even close. I I don't see a road to the Flyers getting seventy five points this year. I just don't have, see it. What did they have last year? Sixty. It's something like that. Do they make it there? I, I mean, no. That, that's where I'm at right now. Are yeah, you, and that's not the benchmark for me. Like I mentioned earlier, I really do wish we could leave you on a happy note here. We got two weeks till our next show. It will not be all about fly. There, guess what? It shouldn't be because there shouldn't be any news. We're getting into summer shows, and that's going to be full blown. We'll talk about Something whatever. We'll talk about the Nazem for Kadri. an hour. No more two hour shows. No, we'll talk about the Nazem Kadri signing. We'll talk about anything going on. Um, you can find all that stuff in the meantime at Kevin underscore Durso. Follow him over there. He's doing a great job. 
Follow us at YWT Podcast. Uh, you can find the show anywhere you find podcasts. Facebook, Instagram, Podbean, iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify. It's scrolling at the bottom of the screen if you're watching on YouTube. Uh, you can find us on sportstalkphilly.com. Make sure to follow them at sportstalkphl at Flyerdelphia. <sighs> we'll get through this together, kids. It might take some time. We might be We might be rock bottom here, but there's... Can't get worse, right? And we're here. We're here because we got a job to do. You know, we're here <laughs> to ride it out with you because we got a job to do. Like, let's this way. Do you think I care? I'm going to end up at as many home games as I get my hands on next year for the same reason I did last year and the year before that, right? Absolutely. Because that's what my job is. So, and you know what? We're right here with you. Our job is to be back in two weeks to talk about it. So until then, we'll see you. <laughs>